Welcome to the Scott Shepherd Podcast. I am a man on a mission to create an army of independent writers, creators, and thinkers who make a hell of a living doing what they love. And it all starts with one thing, and that is doing things the old way, the hard way, the deliberate way, the anti-net way. Listen in as I share thoughts and rants of what goes on behind the scenes as I create an independent knowledge empire where I get to spend my days doing what I love, reading, writing, and thinking while making a hell of a living and helping my people do the same. All right. Hello, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow anti-netters and friends. It has been, uh, I think, a few weeks since I've been uploading videos regularly. Usually I do a video once a week. And so with this video, this we're going to, you know, awaken the silence with a big bang. And on the screen, you will find um, the man, the myth, the legend of PKM and the linking of your thinking school of uh, knowledge management, Mr. Nick Milo. So, hey, thanks for joining us, Nick. And um, it's great. Thank you for hopping on this call. Thanks for having me, Scott. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, uh, nerding out on on knowledge. And I think we'll, we'll cover a lot of great ground together. Yeah. And I, I think I, I realized I, I called it a call, but I guess our video inter- interview and our just exploration together. Um, so, yeah, thank you. And I, you know, to give some context, I, I reached out to you because I know the linking your thinking uh, cohort is going um, is live right now. And so you're getting ready to gear up for your, you know, upcoming launch and this new class here. And you know, a lot of my audience, you know, and I've told my story before um, to, you know, my people and my discovery, my whole origin story, you know, like the hero's journey of me discovering um, Nicholas Lumen's analog, you know, Zettelkasten. And, you know, with, with, with myself, I went through the process of just going deep, way deeper than I think most sane people go, which is I decided to, you know, go to the digital uh, archive of Nicholas Lumen and they, you know, digitized it, and I translated its cards, and then into English, and then I wrote it out by hand myself to kind of reproduce how his system worked, in order to, you know, to learn how, you know, this this whole thing really worked. And before that, how before I, you know, got to that step, I was introduced to a book called How to Take Smart Notes by Sanke Arens, and how I was introduced to that book was actually through you. And I think a lot of people I've, I've told is, you know, my, my story into this, this whole world, um, you know, it started with actually discovering foam, which was a, an open source version of Rome. And then I discovered obsidian. And then I discovered you and your great videos on YouTube, you know, teaching obsidian. And so you're part of my origin story. And so a lot of my people, they're like, wait, you're having like Nick, Nick on here. Like he, he's, you know, into obsidian and he's digital. And my, my people are like, you know, very much into the analog way and doing it old school. Um, but I thought I would reach out to you because I think you, what you're doing is freaking awesome. You're growing this whole space, which is, you know, PKM knowledge management. You're making more and more people aware of it. You know, my position in this marketplace is, you know, I've, I obviously love, I love analog tools. I love analog knowledge development. And I think like maybe a year and a half ago, it was like 99% digital. And I think, you know, my goal would be to get it to be like, well, 
96% digital. And there's a 4% niche of the people that want to do it the old way, you know, the slow way, the analog way. And yeah, so, you know, I kind of wanted to offer that up as a a context background so that when this video goes live, my people are like, hey, what the hell? Like, Nick is like Mr. Obsidian, Mr. Digital. Why are you having him on here? And, you know, the reason is, is that I think a lot of the I've taken linking your thinking and a lot of the principles that you introduce, you've said it ahead of time is, hey, you know, this isn't just like necessarily for people that want to use obsidian you can use you know any tool of choice even analog so you know maybe we can get into that on this call as well so anyway um that is the background context that is why nick is on here and um yeah so thank you again for joining nick and um yeah that's what i wanted to say (laughs) yeah no i'm glad you did and just so i fit in i did just hustle to grab my one analog box of notes here so it's nothing special yeah, I, I'm, I'm not an anti-net practitioner, but I do uh-huh. I do love the you know the physical, the analog, and and I don't think it should go away. So I'm, I'm not one of those diehard. We have to go digital types. I, I think really what we want to do, and we can continue to explore during this call, this conversation, is that you know what is what the, what what is hmm, how is the health of our extended thinking environments? Like how is that health? What is that health? Do we even have one? I know for you and I, we, we're aware that we, this is an important thing. And for the people listening, most likely too, but the majority of the population isn't quite aware that there might be value or even if they have an inkling, they, they don't have the necessary tools or knowledge to recognize that you can create this space mm-hmm. where you can do really imp- meaningful thinking, whatever that looks like. So yeah, but that's, that's, it doesn't matter if it's analog or digital. I think at the core, it's like trying to find this space where we can do some of our best thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, I think, you know, what I kind of contend or advocate for is a lot of people, you know, and you've probably experienced this as well, where a lot of people, they ask questions for the sake of, they want to avoid mistakes. And I think, or, you know, in mistakes equals learning, you know, mistakes, mistakes equals, you know, failure equals growth, you know, or failure equals feedback, feedback equals growth, growth equals, you know, mastery, right. And a lot of people, um, where I'm going with this is a lot of people with, and maybe you find this in digital too, is they, they are scared of analog. They ha- they feel like they have to choose one or the other analog or digital. And my whole point is, is, Hey, you should test both. Why don't you test analog? Why don't you try to reverse engineer, you know, like the, um, the linking based analog version of, of note cards, you know, like kind of like the, which is essentially what Lumen introduced the ability to kind of link individual thoughts. And then once you kind of get the workflow down, you know, why don't you then, you know, try digital or you can try, you know, of course, most people have already tried digital. Why don't you take a vacation, digital vacation and try analog? for a week and then go back to digital. You know, it's like the, I think the overall ecosystem of understanding both mediums and how they shape thought is, is uh, good for a lot of people to explore. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, yeah. Um, just to add on quickly, it's, it's, I think taking, if we can take stock of our entire, as best we can, our entire, the main areas where we are doing our thinking um, and just think about how we can improve what that feels like. Um, like over here, 
it won't focus. But yeah, like, see, I have this too. I, I do my obsidian stuff, and yet I have a little two by two here trying to figure out something. Actually, well, this is funny. I just happened to be on this page, but here's me messing around with a digital analog note card style. I have something here called the Noma method and then the five decade rule. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to go through a few prompts Interesting. To, to basically take a digital note making concept, but then just take it back into an analog form. What would that mm-hmm. look like where we could on the fly do that? But um, so I think as far as a permission that I try to give myself is it's okay like you don't have to be one or the other and you can in fact in fact you're just going to do best to switch it up sometimes now we we can talk about single source of truth and how important it is to have the place you go but being able to kind of break free of a certain thinking energy mm-hmm. you know you can get a little stagnant sitting around whatever maybe go walk around just talk to somebody that's mm-hmm. part of our thinking environment then when when you come back to our core space in this case you know like the anti net or, you know, something in, in the digital form, um, then, then we can kind of take it further, but it's all part of, it's all feed. It's part of the same system in in a Mm -hmm. large way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, uh, also let me, let me check in with you too. How's the, um, the video on your end? Am I like coming through clear? Is it a little delayed? Is all, all good? Hey, Scott Shepard here. Real quick, this podcast is sponsored by me. Yes, me, Sir Scott of Shepard. I am committed to never shilling some dildo hipster crappy freaking product like all the other podcasters do. All right? My only ask, however, is that you spend 10 seconds right now. Literally pull to the side of the freaking road, the freeway. Stop. (laughs) Rate and review this podcast. Share it with a friend. This will help me spread my movement. You see, I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days writing and creating using analog tools while making multiple six figures if they even need to, and more importantly, building a tribe of people that they were called to build, okay? And I want you to rate and review this podcast because it will directly help me in this mission. That's all I ask. All right. Now back to the regularly scheduled program. Peace. There is no delay. And it's, I mean, it's looking pretty good from okay. my end. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Just wanted to check in. And Nick and I are using a uh, sexy new tool called the riverside.fm and uh i have no basis for calling it a sexy new tool it could have been around for 10 years i don't know but it seems pretty cool <laughs> it's new to us yeah 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 so let's let's jump in real quick to these those that box of uh note cards there um Not i sure. remember when you and i did our linking your thinking the one-on-one sessions um yeah. you mentioned that and you still keep them around um and so what what are the what's the the origins of those uh, those notes and you know were they were they notes that you took from readings um, you know were they kind of yeah you know, were they just basically where you kind of reformulated the thoughts of the books that you read or what kind of uh, where did they where did they arise from yeah um, so something really important at the time so I was working um, at the time let's see I was on a TV show 
working in the post-production office in the bullpen. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uh, back and forth traffic. It's just a term for, I'd, I'd greet people, but I'd also be coordinating calls on the phone. Um, again, when I jumped, jumped into Los Angeles, uh, to jump into the entertainment industry proper, uh, you start at the bottom up. Mm -hmm. So yep. this was just after I had, a, I was done getting, getting people lunches and coffees and now mm -hmm. I'm more at a desk, but I still have to move around and handle a lot of things. And so then I thought, well, I want to still get thinking done. Like thinking mm -hmm. happens at random times and yeah, that means it happens on the clock. So how can I capture something or if I'm taking a break and I'm reading that random article like we all do just because it's what happens mm -hmm. on the internet, how can I capture something really cool? So I didn't want to be on my phone. I didn't want to open up an app. Like I thought it'd be kind of almost discreet in a way to be mm -hmm. able to just throw it onto an index card. So this is one that still means a lot to me. It's the essayification, essayification of everything. And it's a New York Times article. Uh, talking about the the history of the term essay, mm. uh, tracking it back to Montaigne, if I'm saying mm -hmm. that correctly, um, how it means in French it meant it means attempt, mm. um, and they are notoriously non-committal. So I have my own okay. thoughts, and there are a couple arrows and things, and then a couple extra thoughts on the back. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because I you know I've noticed this. You might have noticed this as well. Uh, I feel like the term essay has kind of had a, a renaissance, a, a resurgence almost, you know, where people are like writing long form essays. And it's, it's like, uh, almost like a, I don't know, more attractive, um, idea writing an essay than it is to write a blog post or, you know, like an article or something. And I've, I looked into this term at one point, I remember I was like, what is it? You know, cause I don't like calling it like a blog post if I'm going to write, you know, it's just something about it. And I was like, but what is this? Is this a writing piece? You know, but I'm like, well, essay, essay is kind of a, you know, it's a term that has gained momentum. And I, I like that idea of, um, of it just being an attempt, like, and it is this, essentially is what you're saying, an attempt to get your thoughts, you know, on paper and published to the world. Is that, is that the kind of the, the, the essence of this idea? I think, yeah, the essence, an attempt to explore, and most traditionally in a non-committal sort of way. Uh, okay. I'll be the first to say that most of my writings, and I think online writings in general, are more committal, more declarative, more here is the answer for you. Gotcha. Um, and I, maybe that's just a statement to the times that we live in. So mm -hmm. I'd, I'd say it's definitely an attempt to explore and then with various degrees of... Um, commitment or, or statements or declarations. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more like a, an invitation, uh, to like request comments, feedback and reflection from like the, the reader, you know, on, on this idea that one is posing essentially in the piece is that that's kind of what you mean by non-committal. Like you're not, you're not creating like a thesis and declaring a point and trying to inspire someone to adopt your viewpoint. You're saying you're, it's it's almost like you're getting out on paper or on in on the essay. Here's something that I've been toiling over in my mind, and you know, here is essentially an invitation, documentation of my thinking, and something that could maybe help you, like uh, so, something like that. Yeah, I'd say that's the essence. And again, we'll, there's a blurry area between how much will be prescriptive at the end 
and mm-hmm. say, you know, you should do these things because I've, I've a lot of writings that I would consider an essay because I've explored it. I've wandered around the terrain. It's been a joyful journey, but at the mm-hmm. end, I, uh, I want to suggest something that is fairly prescriptive, uh, moder- uh, fairly prescriptive that has some prescription to it. Like if you just do these things, or if you just start using this prompt, that reminds me, you know, that might help out the, uh, t- dragging us from a lean back mode of being to one that's leaned forward and engaged with the ideas that we encounter. But, um, but yeah, at, at its heart, I think what we're saying is, is kind of there. We explore and we share. Yeah. Interesting. So, and this kind of came around, you know, I, like I, I've told you in our brief email exchange beforehand, it was like, you know, I made sure to do my homework, come with some research to figure out, you know, what people already know about you, your, your background story. And, you know, I kind of want to go, you know, deeper into that as well, or touch on things that other people haven't, you know, uh, touched on or aren't aware of. And kind of what I've found, you know, from watching uh, your YouTube videos and stuff like that is um, there's not, at least on YouTube, there's not like a, who is Nick Milo? Like who, you know, what's his origin story? Who, you know, who is this guy? Uh, I actually found like a lot of good information on you from listening to, like I instead listened to some podcasts about you and you were Mm -hmm. on, you know, several podcasts where you detailed your, you know, your, your whole, you know, background. And I think one of the things that you just touched on is that these these analog notes came during a time um, where, so in like 2016, you made the switch from like quite a quite a drastic switch from like I think the civil engineer type of career, right? In 2016 to um, entering Hollywood as a as an older productive production assistant, like you know where you said like I remember you saying in one interview that you know, being a PA and getting coffee and being a gopher, you know, is, is like work that is beneath even like the 22 year olds that are usually hired and become production assistants. But there you are in your late twenties, you know, after you've had several ventures and career careers at that point, you know, you were like a college football coach. Um, uh, you're also a great college athlete, you know, in Mon- Montana. Right. And you, you started that, that pink glove boxing gym, and you were, had a you know career as a civil engineer, and then you go and take this um, big, almost seemingly seemingly big leap into Hollywood. And so, at the time that you took these analog notes, essentially, it was at the point where okay, you earned um, basically you got you kind of like started climbing the ladder, right? And you stopped doing the PA work. Is that right? And is that where you found yourself? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a, a little bit of clarity with the path is I, I, my undergraduate was civil engineering. And so right out of college, I immediately was doing that on, on top of also trying to coach, uh, at my alma mater where I still had plenty of friends, uh, plenty mm-hmm. of friends. And it was just a great experience there. Uh, and I recognized that there was something missing in that civil engineering uh, world as much as I liked the critical problem solving and the designing and the developing, um, it just, there was something that was missing. And I guess I, I'm lucky enough that I guess I had the privilege to take a risk. And so I ended up quitting that without knowing exactly, um, where I was going to make money. Um, Oh, interesting. I didn't just, I didn't just quit though. We, there was mm-hmm. that effort with pink gloves boxing 
So mm-hmm. a friend, a teammate, college teammate and I, um, we decided to take this fitness boxing business that he had started with a few, uh, like with his mom and a few of his, her friends. And then very quickly I came on board and they were like, there was one little location where people were doing this. And then we said, Hey, let's make this a business. We were so mm-hmm. into fitness, into health holistically, you know, not just, uh, you know, get physically stronger or something, but Hey, let's become mentally stronger. Let's become sharper with our communication and leadership skills and actually make this all into one thing. Uh, and no one's done that with fitness boxing. So, uh, if you think about, uh, any other martial art, there's a belt system, but not mm-hmm. with, not with boxing. Mm-hmm. There, there's no belt system because mm-hmm. of various reasons. Usually someone who was a boxer in a low income area becomes, you know, the Mickey from like Rocky or something. And then that's all they know. So now they're teaching boxing and, but there's no lineage. Um, so we just wanted to create not the most hardcore system, but still something that is pretty impressive. So when someone goes from not being able to throw a single punch four years later, and that's how long the curriculum was, we had mm-hmm. essentially seven different tiers with that, mm. you know, eight, and, and this was in universities and still is, but the pandemic hurt it largely. Mm-hmm. But, um, you take a first year student and then by the time they're a senior, they've learned all sorts of skills and now they're throwing all sorts of combinations you wouldn't believe. And it just looks amazing. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, um, it's, it's a brilliant, um, marketing and business, um, you know, uh, I guess process or method. It's kind of like what we, one would call like an ascension ladder essentially mm-hmm. is what you're mm-hmm. saying is it's kind of like what they do in karate with white belts, you know, exactly. brown belts, black belts. So you applied that model essentially to boxing right? And then you had like seven stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we did. And, and it's been great. I, I just love uh, what we did so much with that. There are a lot of external factors, some economic, some otherwise that prevented pink gloves boxing from being this massive, massive thing, even mm-hmm. though it's still impacting the people in a massive way who take it. But yeah. uh, some of the skills and everything that were learned from that process have translated into other things. And that business, so we started that in 2009 and it's still running, which for any small business, that's is incredible. Pretty, pretty wild. But yeah. so as that was happening, got into a couple indie feature films in Montana, mm-hmm. um, moved to New York, was continuing to do the pink gloves thing, mm-hmm. um, a lot of other tracks and everything. But yes, then eventually into Los Angeles at a desk, done getting people coffee. And, uh, finally with almost with enough space again, where I wanted to, you know, figure out stuff with knowledge, um, Mm -hmm. in a way where I could do that, like at a desk easily. Now, before we move, uh, back to the the desk and back to Hollywood, everyone is obsessed with your, your, uh, you know, your whole uh, work as a, uh, an assistant editor, uh, on better call Saul. Like that's what, like I've found like (laughs) 99% of people just like cling to because they you know it's such a captivating show um before we you know we'll we'll touch on that but before we do you uh you talked about um the feature films and stuff in i think you were you in montana at the time that you did some feature films Mm -hmm. um so i checked out your imdb um and you know you 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 go by nick milo but your name is it's uh, a little bit longer and harder to pronounce do you want to try uh you know, okay, wait, wait, let's, let's see if I, uh, I have the bio here. Um, okay. You don't have, it I don't, I don't, I don't have it. I think I try to spell it real quick before, but it's like 
Milo Milo Vogic. Milo, Milo, Vogic? Dra- Milo Dragovic. Milo Dragovic. I've me- I missed yeah. the Dragovic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's it's interesting too. Is I, I looked into the, the IMDB, which is a great has a great bio on you. And mm. uh, I saw the, you know, I was like scrolling through there and I see Nick Milo, actor and producer of the film Crimson Winter. And so <laughs> I go to YouTube to search Crimson Winter, you know, and, uh, you know, it was, it's funny. It's like seeing you there's and you know, for, for people that want to see Nick Milo, not, <laughs> not, not on the screen of Obsidian doing linking your thinking. It was like yeah. mind blowing to see you as an actor. Like you were in like, it was kind of like a, a, a vampire movie. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and uh-huh. it was like, oh, my God, that's Nick Milo right there. It was uh, yeah, it was really interesting. I, I wonder, do you do you know, do, are there a lot of people like from the linking your thinking space uh, that have ever seen that or know about that? Have you ever, you know, has anyone ever said, hey, look, Nick, this is you from like, <laughs> and you posted know, that uh, trailer? No, surprisingly, no. Like, and I, I'm yeah. totally good with all that. And and again, like uh, even like Milo Dragovich, that that whole I was like, well, now that I'm, and that's sort of what I am in the entertainment industry. That's my full name. Very proud of it. Yeah. But it, it was psychologically a little helpful just to go back to Milo. Um, yeah. And, and I like growing Nick up, Milo. He, it's it's yeah. a short name. It's like memorable. It's like you can't go back now because everyone knows you as Nick Milo yeah. in the in the PKM space, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, it, and when I was doing both, it was nice to have the separation because, um, you know, working on different shows, you don't want to, it's very important that everyone knows you're all in. Um, and if you start to have too many outside interests, then Absolutely. it affects their perception and it won't be mm-hmm. an obvious thing, but it really does. It's like, should we call, will, you know, will this person be committed to the next show? And, um, for anyone, anyone in the industry who, who I've worked with, they will, the, the, the thing that they will never say is that I was never committed. I was always the first, first there and last to leave. Um, and hard work is probably going to be on my tombstone. I'm not saying this is a good thing. This is, it's just reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but, um, I really, I really love the shows uh, that I was able to work on. I was working on one with, uh, oh yeah. So we, we can go back to that, but yeah. So Crimson Winter, super proud of that film. It, it's, uh, it's not going to, it hasn't, it's not winning any Oscars or anything, but there was one great YouTube comment on the video. They're like, I love this movie. I don't know. You should, you should go check the trailer out. So you're, you're going to, you're, uh, you know, you're collecting a underground fan base, even though if you, you don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a labor of love. And what's nice about it is, um, it's, it's good enough that it gets compared to regular movies, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing is none of us there had made a movie before. Yeah. Um, so it's like, if you're talking about, and it was a time where it was a little bit harder to get access to uh, footage and everything. We had we're, we filmed that one on um, the first red camera. But That's what was I was going to still... say. The footage it looks like a real real movie. It looks like a big you know yeah probably because the red camera like it looks yeah legit. But yeah, it was you know people watching this aren't here for that. But it was um, it was certainly an interesting endeavor. One I'm super grateful that happened. And then we 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 played it back one more time and we did another film where I have a shaved head and I play in basically an asshole in a small town. Uh, com- <laughs> okay. Complete d- different performance. That one was kind of, you know, the one that you saw is like the every man sort of regular Joe, but mm-hmm. this one was a complete 180, which is why mm-hmm. I was excited to do it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And so, 
So you had some, you, you know, you were a civil engineer, but you had some experience and a taste of, you know, like um, the film, you know, space and, and industry. And then, you know, you decided to, when you went to um, essentially, you know, Hollywood. Um, yeah, that, that was like, you know, essentially with that is, did you, like, how was that transition from civil engineer? You said you quit or, or um, what was that transition like into, you know, 2016 when you decided to go out to Hollywood? Yeah, totally. So um, I was still in Montana doing these when I ended civil engineering and I was basically just over one year, started the fitness boxing, started these two feature films all in Montana. Okay. And then uh, 2013 moved over to New York City and then spent three years there. And that, that was uh, great and everything. My girlfriend got a job. She's much more accomplished than I am uh, by a long shot in the entertainment industry. Had mm-hmm. an opportunity to teach at UCLA. And I thought, hey, I've, I've had a really good time in, in New York, but um, I do think I would enjoy Los Angeles mm-hmm. uh, at the time. And that turned out to be a good move. I still miss aspects of New York, but it is so nice to have a little bit more space for someone who grew up in the mountains. Um, just a little bit more space to think and some quiet. Um, so yeah, came out here and started from the bottom up, got on a post-production show, getting people coffee. Yeah. And, um, when, and I know part of your origin story is you were, um, using Evernote a lot. Were you using Evernote at that time, like, uh, to manage yeah. all of this stuff and okay. So that's when you, so you used Evernote and, before yeah. uh, I switched while I was still in New York, 2015. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I r- remember vividly because it had failed me and I was wandering around aimlessly in Central Park, looking at a squirrel in particular, chasing its tail and thinking, man, that squirrel is less lost than I am right now. I mean, that mm-hmm. is how I felt. Like I was so lost uh, because just digitally I had all this noise. And that's why I was walking around in this giant park because I was trying to like get a sense of myself again. Mm-hmm. And feeling like my my digital tool had failed me, and how uh, vulnerable I guess I felt, not mm-hmm. having a, a sense of grounding. So that's when I went plain text and was starting to use those um, very um, luddite. Uh, what am I trying to say? What's the right word? Anyways, very plain tools like NV Alt, notational mm-hmm. velocity. Yeah. Okay, and. Um... You know, with with a lot of people see you, uh, you know, you're the linking, you're thinking, and and Obsidian and your your whole like massive web of of notes and all of that, right? Um, but what people I think don't see necessarily is maybe you've you've shown it is how did you actually like what is your what does your PKM system look for? You know when you're actually working like at better better call Saul. like you know what was the actual end output that you were creating because you know a lot of people some of the people they may look at like what you've created and they're like they're like it's almost like your your note-taking system is so beautiful that that almost looks like the output but i think that's almost like the means to create output is you know you're linking your thinking in obsidian and so like what does the means to creating the show or, you know, being the working on the show better call Saul, what does that look like? Like, what does your obsidian vault look like for, you know, your actual, you know, assistant production work? Yeah. So when I was a coordinator, a a post coordinator, post production coordinator on a show on Netflix called chambers, there were a lot of delays on the first two episodes 
Thankfully, mm-hmm. what that meant was I had a lot more time in my role where I didn't have to do anything. Now, instead of just sitting back and rela- being relaxed, I decided I would go into the rooms of the editors and the assistant editors and look over their shoulders about what they were doing. And I would take notes. And those notes would be a mixture of physical and mixture, mixture in the drafts app. And then mm-hmm. I would okay. go back to, back to my desk because, you know, you kind of have to be at your desk still. This is pre, pre COVID, right? This is pre COVID as okay. yeah, 2018, I think. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then so you're working I, in the office and yep. you would go and like literally, yeah, sit over their shoulder and, uh, yeah, take notes. Yeah. Yeah. Like an apprentice, um, to a, shoemaker in renaissance italy and i'm mm-hmm. just like how did you put that heel on mm-hmm. can you hey i don't want to interrupt too much but could you just show me what you did there and then they mm-hmm. would play it back and they would say you fade out this way and you can fade in and it'll give it this effect and that sort of thing and so i was just this was amazing i'm dealing with people i'm working i'm looking at people who have won emmys on Mad Men, um breaking bad of course and a lot of other shows and it was just, it was a phenomenal learning experience. And then the assistant editors and all the work that they do. So I would take these notes, I'd go back to my desk, and then I would input them into, you know, the stuff that we are interested in, into a system where I could start making connections and essentially make a field guide for myself about how to be an editor and an assistant editor in Hollywood. And so that's what I put together was my own field guide. And so mm-hmm. it was a bunch of linked notes because I had to have some random note on a sound effect trick that mm-hmm. I learned from Johnny mm. and then something else that I learned from Brian and it's both about sound effects, but different things. One might be a fade in one might be how to layer, you know, multiple layers of sound effects on different tracks or just best practices on how many tracks should we have. So this allowed me a way to compile all these things together. It was around that time. I mean, we're not, we're not there yet. So now tools I had, my main tool was the archive by the folks okay. at zellacast.de. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that was my main tool, but I was, I was trying to do other things and I was asking around and, you know, one of my friends I respect a lot was saying, you know, you should try a notion. And I was like, it, that was totally not the answer. Notion's mm-hmm. a pretty amazing tool, but not for what we are trying to accomplish. Um, mm-hmm. And then TiddlyWiki was actually one that I really enjoyed. It was a joyful tool. It was a little, hard and clunky and I didn't feel confident that my knowledge was uh, reliably accessible, even mm-hmm. though like, if you know what you're doing, it's an, I don't know, I don't want to go into technicals, but um, in the end, that's what I did. So long story short, mixture of analog and drafts notes, take it mm-hmm. all back to the system, start making connections, have a field guide. And that process though, made it so I didn't even have to, half the time I didn't have to know work with the field guide because I had processed it multiple times myself. But what is the field guide? What you're saying field guide for, I mean, if I'm giving a title, it'd be the field guide for editing in Hollywood. Gotcha. So you were kind of trying to build out, go, you know, look over the shoulder of these, you know, the wizards of their craft Yes. and create your own, like, you know, your, your own field guide for you were trying to create like this knowledge base to teach yourself how to become, an expert in this craft, essentially. And you were kind of like duct taping these different tools, which I agree, those those tools are kind of like, each one is kind of for a unique, different, you know, purpose, you're trying to duct tape them kind of all together to create this field guide so that you could glean like the key insights and help master your craft in this in this field. Yes. And that process as, as messy as it is, and doesn't matter analog digital, 
that is the thinking process. It's not mm -hmm. when you take the note, it's what you do with it as you're trying to see how it relates to other things. And I, I was getting stuck. Um, I had maps in, in Evernote that I didn't mm -hmm. call them maps of content, but they were, uh, you know, you'd have to find a very special URL, Evernote URL, and then link that and copy and paste it to get it into essentially, yep. you know, a table of content, but truly more of a, a map of content. And then all that was broken when I went plain text in the archive, the archive, it wasn't any easier. Um, but that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to have these higher level, higher order notes where I could compile these links for things like this field guide. And gotcha. it was working. It was mm -hmm. me going through the process was helping, was teaching myself, but it's not what we, what, what I enjoy so much now with a mm -hmm. tool like Obsidian and where yeah. the linked based tools have gone. Yeah, and it's kind of what I, what I kind of kind of visualize in you describing that and grabbing those Evernote links is you're kind of probably building the very first uh, you know rudimentary version of one of the things in terms that you are known for, which is the maps of content, right? Which is like kind of like table of content to your you know like it's kind of like almost like the the index for your field guide essentially, right? So you're kind of like creating maybe like a you know rudimentary version with like Evernote links, which are yeah, I've, I've only had brief experience with that and it was not uh, super friendly. I know you kind of deride them a, <laughs> a little bit too, you know, is like, uh, is, is, yeah, their whole URLs and, and Obsidian made it just super simple, super fast. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of your, yeah, your, your, your goal with this is that knowledge base. And real quick, before we dive more into linking your thinking stuff, um, I also heard this is from like one of my my anti netters. I had him on in like a, a podcast, you know, type of interview, and um, you know he was talking about like linking your thinking and you. And he mentioned that you um, like one of the pieces. I, I haven't found this anywhere, but one of the pieces of your origin story was the getting the great books or a great books subscription. Is that is that right? Is that a story about you? Like maybe from your 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 mom or your grandma as a, as a gift and you wanted to kind of link all of those characters or all the concepts together is that also a piece of this story yeah uh so the exact details on that one was it was 2016 the u.s going through a turbulent time with the presidential election and uh, just overall in my life too there were a lot of uh, things in la there's, there's turbulence and mm -hmm. i think something that i just have really enjoyed you know if we if we think about the elements there's what there's like earth and fire and water air whatever but i wanted more earth like i wanted more sense of my place of a grounding of a calm um, information age all these things like want to push us around and get us swirling in the air or like underwater where we're drowning or on fire you know uh, and i just wanted some roots so uh, I was like, okay. So basically I asked my mom, could we combine a few different presents here in the, into the future? Uh, what are moms good for? Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that case. Uh, I said, I would really love the Loeb, L-O-E-B, the Loeb classical library in digital form. Mm -hmm. So I can read the ancient stories because I, I can't really articulate it. Maybe I kind of can now, but I just wanted, I felt like if I could tie, tether myself to the ancient stories of the past and see how much is still exactly the same, that it would give me this tremendous sense of place and grounding. Um, and, and so that's ultimately what it did. 
And I just felt the desire to help others in that same way, like give them a sense of grounding. Mm -hmm. Um, so like with this stuff and obsidian, I, when that beta came out, I have never, I never had an intent intention to like have a course and all that. This is all like new territory for everyone. And, uh, it just sort of some of those thoughts of grounding resonated. And so that's, I mean, what is that map of content? It's a way to feel more grounded if there's ever chaos from going note to note. Hey, we all know that's great for serendipity, but, um, but it might feel a little uneasy sometimes. So the mapping notes were a way for me to stay grounded in my knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And give, give me an example of, uh, one of those, the lobe classical books that you, that you read and that resonated with yeah. you. And then, you know, what, what, what was that book, that idea when you, um, yeah. So give me an example there. So the Persians, one of the, and I, I can't remember which Greek, you know, there are four and they all have similar names, but I think it's one, the oldest one, one of the oldest plays that we have. So I wanted something mm -hmm. that felt like it was a play, something kind of theatrical. And, mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to say it was Aeschylus. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that correctly. Okay. I could be off, but it's the I've Persians. No idea. <laughs> and okay. And the context behind it is so cool because it's this Greek playwright who also, I believe was a Greek general because, you know, okay. everyone who was around then, who was a man also probably was in the military, mm -hmm. but they would do annual festivals and they would have plays. And so he wrote a play called the Persians and mm -hmm. we can speculate but this is a cathartic thing for war, war um, veterans who have PTSD coming back and trying to figure out things. It's cathartic for, for them. It's also a way to gloat. So on the surface, it's a way to be like, yeah, we beat the Persians because what it, it's talking about um, when the Persians come back after they've been defeated mm -hmm. and um, Xerxes, I believe, and you know Xerxes' mother, and the mm -hmm. shame around all this defeat. And you mm -hmm. think, oh, it's just a gloating Greek story, but no, it's really dealing with the issues uh, surrounding war um, from all, all sides. So like any great art, I, there's like this uh, subversive quality that gets us to really relate to other people. So that one, re that one ex resonated massively because I think in my youth, I would have thought um, this is a great way for the Greeks to gloat over the Persians. But, you know, a few years later, I think, man, this has so much depth to it. And mm -hmm. it just, it's part of the human experience. So that was exactly what I needed. It was like this, this feeling of universality and our place, you know, we're in the two thousands, part of the human story. Hopefully mm -hmm. it doesn't end with us in radioactive disaster, but it's just part of this story. And, uh, so it allowed me to feel uh, connected that way. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of taught you like how to glean the deeper principles and so that you can kind of link them together and continue to evolve them, you know, over a longer period of time. And then, you know, you use like, you know, the, the oldest or some of the oldest, most classic, um, richest pieces of literature and writings to, to do that. So that that's interesting. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Um, it, did you put, uh, that type of uh, material into obsidian? Is that, are those like there's links in there or is that how you did it? I have some, but no, I, I, for that one, I didn't have the intention to, um, you know, there's some things like also Don Quixote, mm -hmm. Don Quixote. I've, yeah. It's been two years since I started on audiobook. Mm -hmm. I'm still going through it. 
I'm, I'm almost done, but I'm not, mm-hmm. I haven't taken a single note. I haven't looked online. I'm just yep. trying to experience it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then later on, typically it just changes, you know, Scott, depending on what we're trying to accomplish. But for, for both the Persians and this one, it's more just a feeling. And then later on, things will start to bubble up and I'll say, yes, that's something I want to work with. And then I'll make the note. I'll make the yeah. index card, whatever it is. And then I'll start linking it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, kind of a delayed, um, you, you let it like kind of ruminate in the mind, um, before you kind of create like the main note essentially for it. Yeah. So um, like one with Don Quixote's, um, it seems to me like, I really want to look into that because at least in the audio version, they're always saying that. And it's hilarious when mm-hmm. uh, Sancho Panza is always like, it seems to me that, <laughs> you know, whatever. And, uh, and I just love it. So I, I little things like wh- that's a really strange thing that has nothing to do with the plot, but that's what's resonating with me. And I want to explore that. I, I just, yeah. I don't know why it, at the very least, when I talk to my best friend over Montana, who's read it, I can bring that up and who's yeah. also listened to the audio book and, and we'll bond on that. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I actually read that in 2021 and I talked about it cause it's like, I oh, quit, wow. I quit, you know, reading it. Cause it was like, I, it's, I spent like probably eight months, you know, chipping away at it and it's a beast. <laughs> and I found, I found myself quitting reading it and then like getting, but I'm like, God, I, I it's like I, I, the rest of my life, I'm going to hear Don Quixote because it continually comes up and I'm going to regret quitting reading it. So I picked it back up. You know, I think that happened twice. I finally finished it. And what I think it is as well, it introduces a lot of concepts, but also, you know, by I know what you're talking about. So I have this almost like this hidden language of understanding, which is kind of a concept, I think, that I heard you talking about with the the guy from the cultural tutor. It's like, you know culture is kind of like a language don quixote and an understanding of literature is kind of like a language so it's it's uh it's really cool to be able to like understand precisely the journey you're going through on that and just wanting to let that ruminate on your mind you know it's like that's the type of book that you don't sit with an you know like an index card and you know every few pages create a note on that's the one where exactly. you just let it flow yeah um well, yeah, let's let's start to jump into the linking your thinking stuff. Um, I, I thank you for sharing all this fascinating stuff in regards to your background. I think all these, you know, my audience and all the PKM people, you know, watching this and listening to this are going to, you know, um, find that very valuable to, you know, because they, they just see you as this whiz kid master of PKM and Obsidian and all of these links. So thank you for going deeper on your your, your background and... Uh, and, and, and how you kind of came to, you know, um, develop essentially and earn linking your thinking, you know, it's not like you've just invented this out of thin air. You earned it over, I don't know, years, but five plus years, a decade worth of taking notes and knowledge development and thinking about this stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, I think a year ago you were still, you were wrapping up, uh, like season six of better call Saul and you were still, kind of doing like 50%, um, you know, uh, editing and work in Hollywood and then 50% linking your thinking. Uh, have you transitioned? I think I listened to a podcast interview recently where you've, you've decided to transition and go full time and full focus on linking your thinking. Um, is that still the case? And how has that been? How long have you been, you know, focused on this full time? Yeah. So I guess looking at the, the calendar, it's been 13 months since I've been done on any show. Now Mm -hmm. I, there are still projects in development, 
but they're not, it's a little bit differently. I'm not looking to get hired. I'm looking to do something. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, it's definitely a, a, a difference. Um, you know, that's using a craft and a, a skill, uh, excuse me, a trade and a craft that I've developed how to, you know, use a certain piece of, um, software, avid media composer and bring craft to it, bring art to it. Um, I just still have a couple projects though, but they're more related to knowledge management. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit different. It's taking what I've learned and seeing how it can be applied to somewhere else. But long story short, yeah, the last 13 months I have been done, um, because it seems to me that, uh, knowledge management, uh, is, is, is growing and it's able to, uh, support me. It's able to support my, uh, right hand man since the beginning, Dan, and we're trying mm-hmm. to bring on a couple, we have a couple other, uh, part timers who also went through the workshop and just amazing people in there. Um, and I really want to fight for it because I think knowledge management can get, I, I, I feel really strong about this, Scott, but productivity, if left to its own devices will smother knowledge management. And so I want to be that person that's like back, get mm-hmm. back. Like you shall not pass a mm-hmm. uh, little Gandalf there to say like, yes, of course there's overlap. The Venn diagram is there, but there are things that are just there for the sake of thinking themselves that don't have to be because we want to output. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just strips away the soul of thinking the joy oftentimes. Um, it's great to have the forcing functions of product productivity and you, you want to do something, you have a goal in mind, you want to output. I, I don't want to get rid of that. But what I'm mm-hmm. saying is that personal knowledge management needs to have some space for wandering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's what really gets me going. Um, so along with it being able to support me now, I also feel an obligation and a responsibility to push back against, um, the, the, the level that the water will naturally settle to if people don't talk about it and mm-hmm. it will just be, how can we get more things done? And it's like, yes, no. yes, 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 yes. That's a, it's a lot of people find and believe that PKM is a subfield or a subcategory within maybe the productivity market. And it's completely different, uh, altogether. I mean, you can kind of, this is, this is my views, my opinions. You can kind of jerry rig, you know, productivity to be like, you know, um, to fall into like your PKM system and to be stored, you know, in your PKM system. Like I've, you know, some file, like some, uh, you know, cards back there, a section, a branch, you know, for like daily to do lists and goals and stuff like that. However, mm-hmm. you know, what I have found in, and I like to use the term, uh, knowledge development because it's all about, that's kind of how yeah. Lumen used it is he would read a book. You would use a, you know, a bib card, which is called like where you have brief observations with the page number, they would act as staging posts, you know, for your thought to ruminate on. And then you would write out the main card and develop knowledge, right? It's not like he didn't use it as, you know, for productivity or as to do lists, stuff like that. Um, I think that's kind of what you're, you're saying as well. I think Lumen was always a lot of the times, um, kind of focused on output, like he, on average, he was um, writing, you know, one, always working on a project, like one uh, article, one, you know, about a certain aspect a month, one or two, which kind of over 30 years, you know, formed the basis for his books, right? 
but I think he was still in kind of exploration mode, you know, in reading, right? And it sounds like to me, like what you are advocating for and what you want to fight for is, you know, there's the kind of dichotomy between exploration versus exploitation. You know, exploitation is the let's exploit as much, you know, output uh, in the finite amount of time as possible. And that's kind of like what the productivity school of thought in that whole realm, you know, falls into. Whereas Mm -hmm. you seem like you are on the exploration. Um, Let's wander through this forest and, you know, see what we explore and find is that is that kind of what you're saying that's what you that's what you strongly believe in okay yeah that's why i have to write it down just to make sure i can ruminate more on that and and it's analog writing hell yeah (laughs) there we go (laughs) you're you're, uh you may not hear it but there's um you know i didn't think what 1800 diehard anti-netter analog knowledge folk out there uh, you know, raising their fist in the, in the air, <laughs> cheering for you, writing it down an analog. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, and let's, let's touch on this too, is, you know, what is like, what is, what is, who is linking your thinking for? And then I'm going to, then we're going to follow up with who is it not for? So mm-hmm. tell me like, who is linking your thinking for? Like what, what types of people and, you know, yeah. Yeah, Scott, I think about this every single day. I'm not even mm-hmm. joking because I'm mm-hmm. tr- it's so difficult. Um, I'm trying to think. You go to the grocery store, you know what the grocery store is for, is to get mm-hmm. food because we need to eat food. And mm-hmm. uh, it's so difficult to to say who, who is linking your thinking for. Um, so let me try a couple. Definitely for knowledge workers, right? Uh, uh, but I, I don't like that term. I don't. Really I know what see, what is a knowledge worker, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't see myself as a knowledge worker, but uh, people would probably call me that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just so uh, titles like like that are kind of difficult. Use cases can be helpful. Um, I think there are six use cases that were that I try to say like, is this you? Do you want to? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the six that that we're using. I'm not sure if it's the best six or whatever, but do you want to do better research? Are you on that research side of things? Um, do you want to make sense of the world? Okay, this is pretty vague, but I, I really want to spell it out. I want to give it space where people can say, yeah, that, that is me. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm just always curious. I have many different interests. They don't seem like they connect always. That's making sense of the world. You know, you want to do mm-hmm. that. Um, do you want to be, this is kind of a, a new thing, a content creator? Mm-hmm. That, that could be uh, entrepreneur influencer, you, you know, you're, you're pumping out the content, mm-hmm. but, th- but there's another part. And I really, I, I don't want to say fighting for this distinction, but I think it's important to make the distinction between content creation and then something long form writing. That's mm-hmm. more like long form writing. Of course there's overlap, but we also need to say that, you know, when, when we write those articles and blogs and, and essays, it's a little different than a dissertation, mm-hmm. it's a little different yeah. than a book. Mm-hmm. Um, a screenplay, whatever yep. that form takes, uh, a comic book, book, it doesn't matter. There are more complex projects out there, long form writing, let's call that. So that's the fourth use case where linking your thinking principles can help. Um, the fifth one is wanting to journal. Um, we'll call that like a self, self-guidance. Mm-hmm. Do you want to... It, have a, you know, we, people have called it different things, personal development, but I, I, I think self-guidance, self-guidance and expanded creativity is probably at the heart of that. 
mm-hmm. you know, just being in check with yourself and your life and how, you know, your values, whatever that might be. And then that sixth one is, you know, do you want help with your, your projects, your productivity, your efforts, mm-hmm. managing your, your, your actions? Mm-hmm. Cause that's a real thing. You know, I, I do want to push space against the productivity, but it's still there. It's still part of mm-hmm. life. It's just, it gets all the, it, it gets all the talk. So that's why we push against it. So yeah. who's linking your thinking for probably those somewhere in those six use cases where mm-hmm. people want to get better at one of those six things, um, broadly speaking. And that's, yeah. I don't know, there's so many different ways to talk about it. It's very difficult to figure out mm-hmm. like, who is it for. Do you have a, a specific instance or use case or uh, that's uh, like, do you have a specific customer or person that you've seen code through linking your thinking in your mind? and have a completely transformative experience. Um, you know, in my mind, like I, I really kind of cater to more of the writers, researchers. Uh, I don't even put number six, you know, the productivity people on on my list of, <laughs> you know, of, of uh, for being served with like, you know, an anti-net, like a, you know, which is, is more for just developing knowledge. And I, I, I wanted to check in with you. Do you, do you have like, um, you know, some customer, some person um, that has come to mind and you've seen like a complete transformation and, and, uh, and how they've uh, been able to like use linking your thinking and the principles to really just transform their craft there and what they do. Uh, too many to talk about. There's one that we just published uh, today though, uh, from Karen Hume, who is mm-hmm. like a multi teacher of the year in Canada, um, has written multiple books and uh, she, she's recently retired, uh, but wants to just get her, I, I don't know if it's thoughts in order, if that's doing it justice, but more of that makes sense to the world, like use case number two, and probably also ties into use case five, which is the, the self-guidance and expanded creativity, mm-hmm. and just kind of tap into those. You know, the need to research is less, that first use case. Um, there might still be some content creation that she's got in mind, She's already done the long form writing. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, more uh, with less deadlines that she goes back to that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I think it's getting people who it seems really the best for, and this won't market in a sexy way. But when we feel like the world's on top of us because of mm-hmm. the information age and the noise and all the chaos, is for people who want to get back to being on top of the world. Mm-hmm. with their mind and their thoughts, having a place where they feel that is reliable, that they can have their thinking, their thoughts supported, and also to power those thoughts for whatever mm-hmm. they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably like, yeah, the, the majority of people can probably resonate with uh, the feeling like information overload, <laughs> overload mode um, and out of control. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of essentially help them, you know, rethink, slow down to get more in control of that data hose, that information hose that everyone is plugged into. And kind of like essentially what you're, I think, at least for me too, is when I went through your course, it was, it's kind of good to uh, think how you think about how you think, you know, like that meta process of slowing down and seeing how others think and, you know, is very, is, is yeah, super, super helpful. And I think it's, it's good for most people to do because that's like what you spend most of your time doing during the workday is like, why don't you audit how you actually think and develop and manage knowledge? Um, so it, and so here's a more interesting question. 
is I love the, you know, I think Charlie Munger always talks about this invert, always invert. So talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, the exact opposite of, uh, you know, the question. So, you know, who, who specifically is, uh, who do you think, you know, linking your thinking is not for, like, who do you think, you know, that you may have found people like, like signing up, stumbling into it and they, you know, you know, you're like, you know what, this is probably not for you or, Maybe maybe it's a good thing that they maybe they didn't sign up. And what what types of people? Maybe it's the productivity, you know, productivity junkies, you know, like the workflow warriors out there, nice. <laughs> who are obsessed yeah. with, uh, you know, folder structures and coming up with acronyms for, um, you know, arranging uh, uh, their, uh, you know digital directories or something like that. Um, is there a specific kind of avatar or person that you think? Um, you know, linking your thinking is not for. I think it's someone who is in the middle of a career where it's less about processing information or knowledge and more about, they just know they have to get things done. Maybe they're less in control of their, their work environment, but they know there's this thing that they need to do. They're very clear on what that thing is. It doesn't change too often and they just need to get it done. Then, um, then as far as helping that career, maybe they don't need anything, um, massively, you know, uh, there are a lot of careers that we can think of, um, any manual careers, the blue collar work, um, is this going to help you? Like if, if you, if what you do every day is shovel, is this going to help you shovel better? It's not, it's going to get in the way because, I mean, after a while, there's only so many ways to learn about leverage or, you know, like how to shovel better. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I don't mean like there's, I love those jobs. In fact, my, I think the reason I bring that up is because my most cherished, one of my most cherished memories is digging a ditch for fun. Really? Yeah. For fun. Yeah. I, Uh I, no one was telling me to do it. I wanted to, Mm -hmm. I wanted to divert water that was ruining this dirt road and -hmm. just make it kind of go around the road until it could cross underneath. And, uh, man, I just love that. I just, I, mm-hmm. there's something about the connection, you know, the bot in talking about the analog and the anti-net, you just, it's a beautiful thing to use our bodies and, um, connected with the environment in, in this mm-hmm. way that you feel like, Hey, we're working together. Sometimes yeah. we lose that with the digital, the sense, but so yeah. those are a couple of use cases anyways, where it's not for you. And then to your last point, the hyper productivity, um, workflow warriors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, or people who want to be told exactly what to do, I'll, I'll, I'll lump them in there too. Um, as, as you know, from going through the workshop, this is the opposite of everything that we grew up with, with, uh, digital folder structures. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of folders and you have to twirl things down to kind of find if something is there. And with links, especially digital links, um, folders are the least important thing. Now mm-hmm. you still might want some, I still advocate for a few, but, um, you don't need them. You really don't. You just need one large massive folder that that's where everything lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes people feel uncomfortable, especially the top down thinkers and, uh, and I skew towards top down thinking probably why I like things like obsidian and links so much because it helps me remain bottom up mm-hmm. and helps me remain. It, it, it forces me to remain generative and creative and and look for the intersections. And then my natural tendency is to create that map to kind of make sense of everything. Give me some order again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that interplay between the top down and the bottom up is the beautiful thing. So it's not for people who are going to feel th- there are only a few sometimes, but they're like, I need more structure. I need more. I, I don't want to do this. Like, tell me the answers right now. It's like, well, that's, I can't give you the answer answer. Cause you're building your own system. Um, yeah. These are the frameworks. There are notes, mm-hmm. there are maps. If you, and I prefer having a home note too. how those mm-hmm. things interact or is all there is to it. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. And, um, yeah. And you kind of, you know, touched upon this too. And, uh, you know, with, what, what do you think, you know, how has, since I, I think I took linking your thinking in 20, early 2021 and, yeah. um, how has the, the course and how has the material, um, evolved since then? What is, what is new? And, um, you know, like if I, if I were to take it today, like wh- what new developments or new, um, you know, additions have you, um, added or, or maybe, maybe, maybe it's, you, you haven't added, you know, and that's fine too. It's because I think it was, you know, a lot of the stuff was evergreen and very principle based, which is cool because I think, you know, the anti-netters, people use the analog, you know, knowledge development, right. They could still benefit from a lot of the principles and ideas that, mm-hmm. that you introduce. Um, that said, what has, have you done anything unique in this upcoming cohort and uh, what is, what is unique? Anything you're excited about? Yeah. Well, uh, first, very little from the backbone changes because the backbone is, is the core is the core. Mm-hmm. And again, that's, we link notes. Typically they're kind of small. We link them together. We get to a point where we feel a little bit of overwhelm. So we figure out how to gather them all together in a single place. That would be our map, our map of content. And, um, I also advocate that we want one home note, that top down note where we can then jump off into all of our main maps and then get into our notes. So generally speaking, you got notes, you have maps and you have one home note. And okay. So you might recall idea emergence and it had mm-hmm. five levels. I, we're not going to go through the levels, but they're all there. And mm-hmm. then it's just whether or not there are links or not that add the extra levels. Yeah. But, um, that's it. And then, so yeah. the other thing that's similar is the bottom up structure of the curriculum. So mm-hmm. we don't start with, Hey, let's set up your folders or, Hey, let's teach you how to use, um, Readwise, so you can capture stuff and figure out your capture workflow. Um, I'm, I'm a huge advocate in making people feel uncomfortable, but but comfortably uncomfortable. So what we do is we we really start bottom up because mm-hmm. we're so used to top down. So let's think about what it's like and what we're actually trying to capture. And that's why we take a survey at the the start, the PKM Planet. What are you actually trying to do? What's signal to you? What's noise? And then we can figure out how you know those thought, whatever you're trying to capture and connect, that's the stuff you're working on. Mm-hmm. So you don't have all this noise. And then we build up through note to note relationships, creating that first map where we gather links together, maps to maps. And then eventually we have the library and the home note. And so all this creates your idea ecosystem. I'm now calling it an idea verse. Mm-hmm. And that's just yeah, simply yeah. And, and that's to carve out a space to say that there is something out there. We could call it an integrated thinking environment. We, oh, but it's, it's something and it's connected and not all external knowledge management is connected. And so we mm-hmm. need to say there's something special about this. My hope is a term like idea verse after it's said 10,000 times, people are like, yeah, I understand mm-hmm. what that means. And we yeah. do need an extra term, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it's better than in- integrated thinking environment. The world does not need a, yet another acronym, ITE or something. You know, yeah. <laughs> idea versus yeah. a better encapsulator. <laughs> and I and I love like to after idea verse to say it is an integrated thinking environment. Like you know that's that's a really good technical term to define what's happening. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we just need something that when when I say it to my nephew, he says, "Oh, that's cool. I get that." And I'm I'm kind of curious about it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you know what, what you've kind of described with like the home note and the maps of you know essentially the maps is essentially you know what and i've showed it in videos to my like anti-netters and it's it's in a you know there's kind of similar concepts is it's almost like a you know with my book like i wrote i wrote a book on the anti-net settle cost and where i went deep into the history the roots of um you know uh uh, note boxes and and knowledge development and how we managed knowledge you know from the early renaissance you know and and up through everything and how I wrote that book is I kind of used it's my each card. I created like my own, essentially it was, you can call it a maps of content um, cards, you know, that act almost as like the tables of contents for the book, which then pointed me to various numeric alpha card addresses, like, you know, four, two, one, four slash two a, you know, for, mm. you know, this concept on like the second mind and all, all of this stuff. Um, yet another buzz, buzzword, not second brain, second mind. <laughs> Is that kind of like extended mind? Like, uh, yes, Annie Murphy yes. Paul? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yeah, really, that's I'm, a, that's I'm knee deep in that stuff right now and just absolutely love it. And it rings true, right? Like yeah. once you start, you're like, yeah, of course. Yep. I mean, yep. of, of course we think yeah. of our environment. That's what I was going to say when you were talking about the, uh, the digging the ditch. It's like a lot of our thinking and processing, you know, happens outside of just, you know, the mind. And, you know, is, yeah, that, that whole, that whole idea of extended mind, which is kind of how Lumen and we, we didn't get deep into why the obsession over Lumen and stuff like that. Right. Um, But that's kind of how Lumen thought of his, his, you know, Zettelkasten. It was for the first few years, it was just kind of like a, a, a way to store notes, but then it kind of almost became an extended mind and its own consciousness, which he talked about. He called it the ghost in the box where he had a a communication relationship with his extended mind. So it's kind of like, you know, that voice when you're reviewing your, that note card, um, you know, essentially about the essay and what it is, you, you have also this other internal dialogue, uh, not like an internal monologue, but like an internal dialogue going on of visualizing who you were like the Nick Milo of that time when you wrote down that note. So Mm -hmm. that adds like that contextual piece, you know, um, as you're going through your old notes, which is what Lumen kind of talked about as well. Um, where I'm going with all of this is I think the principles that you introduce in linking your thinking, you know, if, uh, you know, my anti-netters, the people that are using, you know, the Lumanian note box with the index and the, you know, your own note cards is they can use and learn the principles and follow along and also still use analog um, and go through linking your thinking. You know, kind of kind of inspire ideas um, with what you teach. Um, mm. That's that's mm-hmm. that's that's essentially because yeah. I I can see it and um, you know, but uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on on you know people that are like you know analog settle cost and folks and anti anti netters taking linking your thinking? Do you think that'll be a, a useful exercise and a use of time um, for those types of people? Or what's your thoughts? 
Well, um, I, I, at the end of the day, the answer is probably going to be yes for me. I'm selling a workshop. I'd love for that those people <laughs> to be involved, right? But, but, um, but, but really, if someone is an anti-netter and they're they love knowledge, they love learning from other people, and this is really a concentrated learning environment with a lot of other people. So I told you what was the same. But what's different are all those ways that we try to tweak the experience to maximize mm-hmm. the outcomes that everyone who attends receives, whether that's um, ways that we allow people to connect more organically so there's less friction involved. Um, so we've been on discourse, which I've enjoyed because it allows for the long-form discussions, but it's kind of prevented us from a lot of live interactivity that we're trying to do um, so often. You know, it's like, hey, we mm-hmm. just want to set up an event and have people come and kind of mm-hmm. make it halfway spontaneous, yeah, um, like community members. And, uh, and so that's where discourse, it, it wasn't designed for that. And unfortunately it's not evolving, um, at any, it's evolving at a glacial pace. Meanwhile, is that like the, another, the forum essentially? Yes, the, that, the that would be the okay. forum that, that would be how yeah. you experienced the workshop. So mm-hmm. up until this very last one, we've all been on discourse as the forum as it's really cool because we had that built-in breadcrumb structure where you could always mm-hmm. go back up to the map of content yep. um, up for that unit uh, table of content, same, mm-hmm. same idea. And then, but now we're, we're moving to a different platform that will allow for more interactions, but it's really trying to make things as immersive as possible and allow for multiple avenues of expression or interaction. I should say engagement is probably the best word. Live session, great. Chat, you kind of have this sidebar chat that's giving like the stream of context. Some people love that, some people don't. We have discussions on the forum. Some are long form, some are going to be direct messages. We have live sessions that are on targeted um, topics. The idea though is this is a whole mouth, like you bite into something and it's got all the, the flavors there, including umami. It's just got it all. And that way, whatever you're after, it's there, it's resonating with you. And then you can say like, Hey, I, I might be an analog person, but I'm happy. I know, or at least I'm aware of what lights calling the three paradigms of notes, mm-hmm. you know, the, the yeah. idea that notes, notes can change. What does that mean in an analog world? Do I agree with it? And mm-hmm. these conversations start to happen. Um, so yeah. I find that to be quite, a, quite thrilling. Yeah. 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 Sounds, sounds awesome. Sounds exciting. Yeah. Just constantly iterating the course was already great. You know, the experience was, was, was really cool. I liked, you know, the, the workshops and getting your reps in. I remember that from, from the course, you know, like that's one of the key takes away takeaways, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's, it's awesome to hear that you're continuing to evolve this thing. And I'm glad that you, you know, are, uh, you know, uh, essentially, uh, leaving poor, better call Saul, uh, and, uh, <laughs> off and, you know, going, going, uh, going deep on this. And then also, you know, fighting for not getting lumped into this being just a, you know, productivity tool, but like a knowledge exploration tool. So, yeah. And, you know, I also, you know, before we, um, you know, I think we'll, we, we've already gone on and covered quite a lot. Um, one, one area I did want to talk about too, is just your general thoughts on the space. And maybe we can get into the future of linking your thinking, um, of how you foresee it in this space. Um, you know, I, I commend you for being a, and linking your thinking, you're fantastic. Um, you know, great at marketing, 
and you know you've done like the the cohort courses you did the state of the you know state of pkm which is a great you know kind of like a you know kind of message and um you know way to kind of um gather and you know consolidate like you know the thoughts of everything and also position yourself you know the state of pkm as like you know the state of the union address as the <laughs> you know president of pkm but it's cool to see you 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 know kind of like you know state what you Hold the whole PKM industry, and you know your your live conferences, and um, where where you know, and then also you 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 clearly are pretty savvy. Like you you have the, the ascension, the idea of ascension and black belts, kind of essentially mm-hmm. for boxing and all of that. Um, you know, and this is just my interpretation. Looking at the space, is there's the Tiago Forte and building a second brain, and then there's like the rite of passage and. That you know mm-hmm. cohort were 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 you inspired like are you familiar with uh, you know those courses were you kind of like inspired with when you created the linking your thinking from uh, any particular you know like productivity course or any anyone in particular or what was your you know because I've come into this space and observed things and seen you know um, you and sec- building a second brain so I didn't know what it looked like when you first started. What, um, you know, what was the landscape when you started? Like, were you inspired by anyone? Were you inspired not to do things the way that other courses or, you know, people yeah. teach um, in this space? So, yeah, what's what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's funny because being fully immersed in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, um, I, I wasn't involved in the space. I wasn't aware of anything until the Obsidian Beta and I started okay. sharing some things and eventually I shared the first version of the light kit in May okay. 2020. It wasn't called that. It had a different acronym at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that was, and that was because in the first couple of months in obsidian uh, beta, cause I joined in uh, March, 2020, it was this really thrive. I mean, it still is, but it, it, there was a time with the pandemic, everyone was on there. We were helping to kind of give feedback on, the app itself, guide discussions, talk. I was coming from the archive, so I had some opinions on what was working for me that gotcha. were probably maybe a little bit narrower in focus mm-hmm. um, in hindsight than the brilliant developers and their more holistic, non-opinionated view of how to, to do something. So that was just a beautiful time. And then I'd share little things of like what I was doing and that resonated well. And then for fun. This is all just joy driven as I wanted to put stuff together. I can't remember the first thing I shared. It might've been like a quotes pack, just showing like linked quotes and different mm-hmm. things. But, um, a couple days later, I think it was that first light kit version. I think it was ICM. I can't even remember now. And, um, but eventually people were, they resonated with that on that forum and they said, mm-hmm. Give, you know, tell us more. Like, what is this all about? And I'm like, well, I yeah. know this is working, but I just kind of didn't think other people were interested. So eventually I, I wanted to do more. And it was around that time that someone said, you should do a course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it can be a course like this one called Building a Second Brain. Okay. That's when I first, that's when I first, so that was probably around June, 2020. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was already starting to like reach out to a few people on Discord to say, would you like to be a part of something privately just to kind of, you know, I have like six different uh, weeks. I'd like to put something together and share it with you um, based on the kit and this idea of maps. And 
idea emergence. That was the big mm-hmm. thing I had to, to, I felt like no one's talking about this. I don't know where, you know, I, yeah, idea emergence. And I really don't know what the provenance behind that is other than just it emerged, mm-hmm. like recognizing that the note to note was not enough for me. Oh, I like these maps and we need mm-hmm. one high map. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it. Those three levels. So, um, I shared that stuff. I still have some awesome drawings in Excalibur. I'm very proud of, even though we mm-hmm. have more polished versions now. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so as I was creating that first sort of private course, someone, someone's like, you should do this. And that's when I first saw that there was, you know, uh, Tiago Forte's course, uh, building a second brain. And I, I think I've mentioned this a few times and, and, and to him too. And, and I, consider us kind of like friends at this point. It's really a strange mm-hmm. thing because I had this viscerally negative reaction to seeing mm-hmm. what, what, uh, building a second brain course was about. Mm-hmm. And I, I have since he's taken my course and I've since taken his, um, it's a wonderful course, but it's not how I think, or, or it's just, it's, it's not the whole story is what I'm trying to say. It, there's not a one size fits all end of story and we can all move on. And so when I saw that, I again felt like there's more out there, everyone. And this is, this is just part of society and culture and the productivity mindset school mm-hmm. of thought, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I just that's... want something else. I just want to push back and say there's this other thing out there for knowledge. Yeah. Which is awesome that you've done. And thank you for, for, for doing this and creating that course is, and it's, that's kind of what I've actually, I'd never have taken Tiago's uh, course, um, the building a second brain. What I've, gleaned and, and have dis- discovered about it though, is that it is much more productivity. You know, it's like, it's not, re- you're not necessarily building a second brain as in terms of like a knowledge base or a second mind as, you know, like um, to develop knowledge. It's kind of like, here is a uh, productivity framework for organizing information and being more productive. Uh, that's kind of my interpretation without, you know, having given it a fair shot and actually taken the course. Mm-hmm. Whereas yours is like, I think in a completely different, it's not a subcategory of productivity. It's a completely different category together, which is knowledge exploration. And that's kind of what PKM has, you know, you know essentially become. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And, you know, the other interesting thing is what I've gathered from this too, is, you know, when I kind of, came into the the Zettelkasten space, I had interpreted, I had come into the Zettelkasten space with a premonition that it was like a cult because I read on foam, you know, the, my introduction uh, before I tried Obsidian was to foam, uh, which is of that open source, you know, VS code version of Rome research. And mm-hmm. on foam's principle, they're like principles page. They said, you know, you don't need a follow or join a cult to, you know, do PKM <laughs> and you don't need to do Zettelkasten. So I equated Zettelkasten with, um, being a cult, which I guess, uh, I discovered later on that it was actually Rome who they were talking about. Cause Rome used to go as by Rome cult or like something, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I actually entered and entered the Zettelkasten space and was kind of like a bull in a China shop with, um, Sasha and we argued quite a bit. So, you know, and, but we have since become uh, actually like respectful friends, you know, of, of, I don't agree with a lot of the ways that he teaches digital Zettelkasten, like using dates for IDs. And I just, just the, the overall thing, you know, like about it. 
Um, that said, I've come to like, we've had dialogues and we did like, um, you know, YouTube video, like a long form, like podcast together. And we've really mm. kind of gone above and beyond that kind of like the surface level, Oh, good versus bad type of, uh, you know, duality. And we've gone above and been like, Oh, you know what, what you're saying here really makes sense. And it's like, how can we actually apply that type of thinking to digital versus, you know, or apply that to analog. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's, that's funny that you kind of had that, uh, that same type of experience with Tiago. Uh, what's, what's more interesting is you seem to have, um, you started in the Zettelkasten space, but this is how kind of how I would have interpreted it is, there's just so much crap and like complications and majoring in the minor within the digital Zettelkasten space of how you're supposed to write notes or do things, which um, it's, you know, kind of what I'm gathering from it is you were like, why are we wasting our time with all this stuff? Why don't we just link thoughts and, you know, use obsidian maps of content to kind of get at what we're really trying to do. Um, So you know, and then you saw something essentially in the marketplace that's like, you know, people would really benefit and value from this. And um, I also commend you for, and I'm fully in support. I want to help you in, in your, you know, crusade to make sure that PKM is separate and not lumped into the productivity workflow warriors space, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So there needs to be a space for that. And, um, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm happy to support you and lend lend a hand in uh you know we'll have our anti-netters you know we'll we'll be like the the Irish in Braveheart we'll we'll be that group you know like we'll support <laughs> you in the battle and we'll 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 come and flank so yeah. uh <laughs> that's how I see it yeah no I, I uh I think you're on point with all that and and you know that there is again on the on the flip side there isn't a one size fits all so if mm-hmm. you're looking to get more things done and you want a way to be more effective with your information resource management so you can move ahead on your projects, then, you know, linking your thinking should not be your number one choice. It, mm-hmm. it can help, but I think there are better solutions out there. So it's again, like it's, um, I'm far from casting aspersions on anyone's thoughts, you know, just like, you know, you as Sasha, um, there are just differences. And I think this space, needs to be able to articulate those differences like we are. So, so everyone out there can recognize that, wow, yeah, it isn't one size fit. It is not one size fits all. So what am I trying to do again? And, um, if it's, what are you trying, if I ask the question, what am I, what are you trying to do with knowledge? And, and you're thinking, well, I just want to get my projects done right now. Well, okay. Then probably try some other things out first. And then if you get stuck because you feel you know, now you have to work with knowledge and you need to connect ideas and you're kind of getting stuck somewhere. Well, then you can seek out other options, what, 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 whatever that looks like. But I thought that yeah. was a really good point too, with what you said, with recognizing the limitations of, um, you know, the Zettel casting approach. And it's like, I don't want to follow the rules. It's like, we need, we need some structure, but what are, what I didn't want to look at it from, like the gospel of Lumen is as wonderful mm-hmm. of a person as he is, but that's all interpretation of, you know, I don't want it to be interpreted uh, to me by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I just wanted to know like how, how, when you link knowledge together, what are the, what, what are the elements, the factors, you know, think about our physical world. We've got space, time, gravity, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. What mm-hmm. is that in the linked world? And, mm-hmm. and I find that those same things are true. We can organize by space. We can organize mm-hmm. by time. 
We can organize by gravity. It's called importance. Yep. Whoa. Mm, mm. And then relationships. Yeah, interesting. Links. Mm-hmm. And so it's an acronym I'm playing with. So really, I'm playing you know, with this one. That's sure. that's fascinating. Like I, I came up like after about two or three months after, you know, I took Link Your Thinking, I thought deeply about this and I organized my, um, you know, Obsidian Vault into, uh, you know, time and space. You know, that's oh, cool. like the two, that's the two <laughs> concepts of reality. It's yeah. XYZ. XYZ is, you know, is, um, you know, really essentially space, you know, with like the altitude as well, like the other, you know, the whatever third dimension of space. And then there's time. And we all have like spaces, like space are those things that are, you know, not defined necessarily by time. And then, you know, like the time are those are, are things like meeting notes or things that you want to, would want to organize by time. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's interesting about the aspect of gravity as like, that's kind of like a token of importance. It's like, what is gravity? Gravity, you know, is like metaphysical. And a lot of people, it's interesting is they, they think of metaphysical and they, they don't think that it's real. You know, it's like, well, is, is gravity real? Gravity is metaphysical, right? Mm. It's like, that's an interesting of, yeah, priority, mapping priority or importance to gravity as a kind of way to, you're essentially trying to create a map or a model of the world, a map or a model of reality. The closer we get to it, I think the more effective our, you know, essentially thinking system will become. And so that's an yeah, I like that analog digital overlap. Uh, so digitally, um, and we can plant seeds it, just like you, when you, you had the index card and you just wrote something on it. So you could then kind of allow it to play in the background and see what, see where that idea might lead, or you think, mm-hmm. um, think about it a bit more in the digital world. We create a new note, don't have to fill it out, but it's there. It can accumulate links, grow mm-hmm. in gravity. A grown importance essentially, which is gravity, things are orbiting closer to it. Um, and that can be an indication that, okay, we should, uh, dust this thing off and start talking about it because we've accumulated some, a lot of different, um, related notes on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. So you're, yeah, you're continuing to kind of like, yeah, evolve the model of how to think about knowledge, which I think is people, you know, pre like, all of this space they never thought about. Well, they did, but I think the, these tools allow us to more fluidly model and view like the, you know, the graphs of obsidian model and view knowledge to, to uh, kind of create, yeah, these, these, uh, these interesting almost uh, models or lenses or interfaces into our knowledge, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, thank you for, for hopping on here and uh you know i could have probably spent another i don't know hour going nerding out into the the depths of uh, we, which we didn't really talk about yeah the the you know lumen and, and the anti-net and zettelkasten and that whole space um you know one one thing before we go is you, you talked about on um you know email it's like the obsession over the lumanian note box or the Lumanian. like i don't like the term zettelkasten because a lot of people they, you know, what it means is note box or slip box in European English, right? And so um, many, many learned scholars throughout time had note boxes, you know, since uh, the, the earliest documented one was Conrad Gessner in like the 1500s. And mm-hmm. everyone has kind of like their, their own version of organizing uh, analog 
physical notes in note boxes. The most common one was the um, Ryan Holiday system, which, or, you know, not really his system or Robert Greene's system. Mm-hmm. It's what everyone's kind of done, which is you organize your your notes, if, if you even organize them, by uh, topic or by category, like, mm. or by, or by book, right? So I had done that for 15, about 15, since 2006, I had been doing three by five inch cards, storing all my analog note cards, um, and just wrapping them in rubber bands. I still have some boxes over there, like the bottom boxes are my legacy ones that I haven't integrated and created the whole, you know, ID on them, address uh-huh. on them yet. But I always ran into issues, with which is how do you you know, it's like if I have a section on, for instance, I have a section like 300 cards on Hemingway's rules for writing, which each one was like a rule, right? If I wanted to, you know, this is kind of a bad example, but like if I wanted to link to just one of the rules and talk about it and evolve it, like in the context of me working on another project, I couldn't really, I would have to rewrite it in analog form. And so the thing that Lumen's notebox uh kind of how it changed the game is he added those uh you know those alpha numeric i call it numeric alpha because it starts with a number it's kind of like freeway <laughs> exit numbers like 13a you know you just you number each of your cards so that you can link to each individual thought which and you can kind of find your thoughts easily right mm-hmm. so that was like the big game changer around around really Lumen- lumen's system you know so from from an actual vehicle, there is like some value there in how he did it. Um, it was other scholars talked about, you know, numbering each of your cards and then kind of being able to branch down on it. Um, but I think the, so there is value in what he did, but one of the kind of the more hypey things that people get carried away with and the whole story of why people get attracted to Zettelkasten is because of how prolific he was. Mm-hmm. And which actually doesn't necessarily come from the Zettelkasten itself. That's the big irony. He wrote 70 books in 30 years and 600 like peer reviewed publications in 30 years, which like I think averages like one or two papers published per month, which is insane. So a lot of people are attracted to it and they think it's the secret that the Zettelkasten is his secret weapon. Mm. What you actually find in some interviews is that that was not just the secret weapon. He was also a workaholic who loved what he did from 8 a.m. He detailed out his daily routine from 8 a.m. until 11 p.m. He would read all day and take these notes on a bib card and then develop it, you know, into his own Zettelkasten system. And on top of that, like he set out, um, you know, uh, when he started his academic career saying my 30 year goal is to develop a theory of everything (laughs) as it pertains to society. And he did not waver from that goal. So <laughs> that's the interesting thing is the system itself. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, if you're an analog knowledge, if you love analog, right? And you also, but you up until that point, there was a lot of downsides about analog. Of how do I find each individual thought? There's no search feature. How do I link mm-hmm. to each individual note? You know, Lumen kind of solved for that, which I think is what the benefit is. But if you want to just create this, you know, a Zettelkasten and expect to have 70 books pop out and, you know, 600 peer-reviewed papers without putting in effort and work, then you're barking up the wrong tree. So that's that's yeah. that's something, um, you know, to be 
that 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 is an interesting point to make and i also don't like the um the way like and sasha has the zettel costa method and i think it works for a lot of people but i do not like i do i'm not a big they, I'm not really hardcore heavy into, oh, you need, if you're using digital, you need to also do it the settle cost way. I don't think, I don't think that that is the case at all. Um, I think understanding the workflow is certainly helpful, like maybe learning what Lumen did. And I think that's where guys like Bob Dodo, um, I've done a good job of actually teaching kind of like the, the overall purpose and goal, which is centers around writing and developing thought. But you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to get stuck on rules. And I don't like dates as being the IDs at all. I hate that. I have a whole. I went deep into discovering where it came from, and it actually came from a place that is. Um, it came from this place. I forgot. It's called like the Nomagachi organization system, where you're supposed to organize your files by most recently opened. So hmm. it doesn't really make sense to even use the Zettel custom dates, anyways, because it's organizing files by the creation date. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, you got me off on a tangent, but uh, no, no, I'm glad, I'm, <laughs> I wanted I'm glad. to state that. <laughs> yeah, because I had some questions uh, before we got on about that and some email exchanges. So I'm glad you did because um, the, the, it's like understanding Zettelkasten is it's you go into this foggy land where there are all mm -hmm. sorts of um, other whispering <laughs> voices in different areas. And yep. so, uh, you know, like underneath the shrubber shrubs in the fog and you're like, what, what did they just say? And it's like, yep. what is, you know, what is the true Zettelkasten or, you know, what are the important parts? And that's where I do think that, you know, a detour from the fundamental principles, one of the reasons you were asking for me to come on or one of the topics is what's fundamental, what's universal about yeah. your digital linking or thinking methods that still mm -hmm. apply to analog. Well, well mm -hmm. sa same thing here. So the timestamp like you're saying, wasn't a universal thing. It was actually um, kind of an interpretation that was tacked onto exactly. uh, the system to make it work mm -hmm. initially in, in the digital age. But that wasn't, mm -hmm. that wasn't part of it. So, so yeah, really recognizing that stuff is valuable work. And I'm, I'm glad you're able to share that with you, with your, the people in, in your world and also with me now. So I have a better sense of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. there's even, so, yeah, there's um, it's kind of what always happens. Everyone adds adds their own abstractions and their own yes. interpretations onto something, and then uh, that's why I went deep down the rabbit hole of uh, writing out Lumen's cards and his methods by hand to slow my mind down. Because Lumen never put a date on his note cards like once. I've never found one instance of it. And uh, also, a lot of the things that we attribute to him saying the how to take smart notes guy you know like the one idea per note that is also something lumen never did or said there's multiple cards that have multiple running ideas across of it you know across it oh, that's interesting okay mm -hmm. oh there's a i have a whole 70 page document on on the myths of simple <laughs> cost and <laughs> so if you're uh, if you if you're yeah. that much of a nerd you can go deep down that rabbit hole um I, yeah I have, a, I have a couple more i know we're going long but just real fast um hey I, wanna... I am i am fine to go um you know yeah as long as you want. So we can, you know, long form works better. People love these types of conversations. So, um, yeah, one we thing, can go. Okay. Yeah. Just, just a little bit more. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, your book, I'd love to get, a. you, you must have that in physical form, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I just got done with the typesetting of it, my designer. So I'm getting it Ooh. physically printed, um, right. Like 
well, in the next few weeks, I've already gotten the quotes and everything. Yeah. Okay. And you know, it's interesting is I have a box back there. I can probably, yeah. Um, I, I, I'll just get up and I'll show you this real quick. Um, um, in the early days of writing and starting on the book, I said, hey, you know, as an ode to analog, uh, if you want a free copy of the book when I finish, and I started it about a year ago, and um, you know, I've since finished, I said, if you write to me at my physical office address and you know, want a, a copy of the book, and request it, I'm going to send it to you free of charge, which it's turned into a well footnoted, deeply footnoted 594 page beast, right? So oh it's like goodness. the cost of printing it is going to be like probably $15, 20 I don't know what it is, but I've got this box full from these oh. people that have written in, sent me a bunch of stuff. There's like probably 40 letters handwritten, some beautiful stuff in here too. Like this guy's from like, from, uh, he wrote from India or where is this? Actually, no, this is from Thailand. So it's really fascinating to just see people who love, you know, expressing and thinking on paper and doing mm -hmm. that. So I wanted to share that is because I owe it to them and I'm committed to making, yeah, make, focused 100% on the, the physical, the physical uh, uh, version, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I, you know, but it's, it's funny. It's like, it would be so much easier for me to just like, it could be live tomorrow if I just uploaded it to the Kindle develop, you know, KDB platform, mm -hmm. Kindle direct publishing platform, post okay. it. But uh, yeah, I'm committed to, uh, you know, for the sake of it, getting it in yeah. a physical form. Uh, you have so, to. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, well, count me in and I, I don't mind being a natural customer. Um, but yeah, I, I just want, the, I just want that. I've, I've been collecting. I'm not sure if it's on the screen or not, but tons of books re lately. I also have an intention to write a book and kind of in a similar vein yeah. um, to do it. In Obsidian. My, yeah. My tool in this case, yeah. Obsidian and sh yeah. to show and kind of show that process to everyone. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of one of those things and I'm excited for that and excited for yours too, to, to learn more about the, the background and the details and, and the process. Now, yeah. Another point. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, oh. It, it, uh, you want to say anything else? Cause I had something else I wanted to mention, but it's different. It's a different subject. So no, yeah, let's, 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 I was going to pull out. Well, actually it's right here. Here's the, uh, here's, this is essentially the book. Um, you know, it was about six or seven months of this, you know, doing the, the deep linking each and developing each individual thought. Right. Mm -hmm. And then writing it, I wrote it in about three months, three and a half months. So it's like, you know, maybe nine months total that came out to 190,000 words. So it's like a 600 page tome, you know, and yeah. which is really cool. Cause it's like it sitting down at a blank canvas is like freaking painful, but sitting down and having a conversation with a book and, and then elaborating on it by writing note cards and main cards, right. You lose track of time. And it's something that Mortimer Adler talks about and how to hmm. write a book, that book talks about mm -hmm. having a conversation with the book. So it's kind of, it was just a wonderful way to, to write a book. And then you, you end up with the end product in your first draft. Usually the goal is to get done with a first shitty draft, you know, and this first shitty draft was, you know, was essentially in there. And then when it got on paper, I was like, wow, it's like, cause every single thing, like most of the bits of knowledge were footnoted. It was so rich and deep. And it kind of, it showed me, 
of how Lumen's books, because they're Lumen's books, by the way, are awful. If you read them, they are so pedantic. And that was the style of academic German, uh, German, uh, like, uh, writing at the time. It's like the more perplexed you can make the reader. It was like a, a badge of honor because he made the reader have to look up every other word. And it was like, Oh, it was just fascinating, but you can see, but everything was footnoted. So it's like, I got to experience how he did that mm. real time. Anyway, that's what I, 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 I was, it's kind of a tangential thing that I uh, wanted to share. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm very, I'm very interested in that, in that process. It's, it's cool to see that. I'm interested in general in this might take us into uh, something I'm playing with is when I use a term, a new mm -hmm. term, like uh, the idea verse, I'm trying to mm -hmm. then be like, well, what are the properties of mm -hmm. it that would separate it from something else? Um, what are the properties that would make something distinct? And so I, I just want to put a footnote there because I, I um, or um, put a pin in that to say that the two, two special to quote back to Sancho Panza, it seems to me that <laughs> joy and having a big effort in mind are really Lumen's secret sauce. Joy yeah. and having a big effort that fueled mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he loved, absolutely loved what he did. Uh, his vocation was his vacation. Um, I, I actually nice. went, this is how deep I went. I, I actually contacted and found um lumen's youngest son is living he lives in i believe it's guatemala um in south america and he's an artist and so i reached out to him and conducted i've had two or three phone interviews with clemens lumen uh nicholas lumen's youngest son to oh. learn more about how lumen worked and what he did and he was so in love with his craft and so you know like his vocation was his vacation um you know he he would just read just you know nonstop. he loved exploring tying together different um different disciplinary fields into creating a theory for how society worked so lumen would read books on fascinating books that are still around on um on biology, like this, this one book about called autopiosis, which is how a cell, and you can see this in biology, a cell essentially reproduces itself and creates an instantiated version, like it clones itself. And he related that to how society things, concepts happen in society, where it's, here's how something, and I haven't refreshed on like autopiosis, mm -hmm. but how does, how does, how do things in society kind of create an instantiation of themselves and reproduce a version of themselves? So he would take that concept from biology, you know, and doing his readings and apply it to social theory in doing this, you know, he would read on the couch on, well, he had a, a chaise, I think chaise or something. It's, it's in French. It's one of those, one of those, um, it's like a couch where, like half of it has an armrest and the other half doesn't have an armrest. It's like a therapist. Uh, yeah. Couch? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He would sit, his sit there for hours and hours a day, you know, reading this type of stuff and coming up with these amazing ideas, writing it down on what I call a bib card, which is just essentially a, a vertical note card with page number and your brief thought. Then he would, you know, um, he would also take about 15 minute power naps throughout the day as well. He always had his door slightly cracked open. Um, and so his, you know, 
son, two sons or his daughter could come in at any time. And by the way, Lumen also, his wife sadly passed away when Lumen was like around 50. So from age like 50 to age, um, I think he died in his, uh, I don't know. I, I forgot what, what age he, he, he died at, but like he had a good 30 years where, you know, he, he essentially would just spend his days reading thinking he loved what he did, which is kind of like the higher level principle you're talking about. And he loved developing knowledge. And, you know, so that's one of the most important things and completely overlooked things in this whole thing. It's like he had a 30 year goal. He loved what he did. He never wavered from the goal and bit by bit, he developed, you know, developed knowledge and created prolific work. So yeah, this, this is really profound. I'm, I'm, I'm happy we're going extra innings here yeah. because, um, <laughs> Because yeah, the joy, but there's something about like, it's easy to mis mistake what's happening here. This is, this is my opinion and say he had a goal or, or he had a project, but it's way bigger than that. It was like mm -hmm. this ideal, this, this giant effort that encompassed anything, you know, unified, unified, whatever. Like, and I think, I, I don't know, just, just an idea here, but if we could all figure out what we, if we wanted to create our own unified blankety, blankety, blank. Mm -hmm. I think then we would find the magic sauce because that resonates with me. I don't know what I'm calling mine, you know, but like, mm -hmm. that's a lot of what I'm trying to do. Uh, we can, for me, I, I'll usually put it under the umbrella of sense making people trying to make sense of the world that, you mm -hmm. know, like this is kind of what it's about though. It's like having your own so, sort of a unified theory, not for mm -hmm. publication, but just so, so things make sense and you can all of a sudden relate something in biology about cellular cloning to something in society at the mm -hmm. human social level. And wow, like mm -hmm. that, that's what's fueling everything and, and the joy of that and being in flow the whole time. Yep. Um, yeah. And one of the, the properties of that too is, you know, is if it sounds seemingly absurd and like, you know, a little crazy and like you're bashful to share it with the world, then that's the, that's a good thing as well. Because, you know, creating like a, a unified, theory of society was a very like kind of in, in academia, like a crazy undertaking and goal. And that's also, I think what inspired him and, uh, um, you know, gave him that, um, yeah, it was, was an aspect of it as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty profound stuff. Um, later, maybe on, on part two down the road, but yeah, I'd, lo I'd love to kind of figure out properties and conditions of of integrated thinking environments, uh, whether analog or digital, uh, we might like a concentrated thinking environment, dedicated, um, extended thinking environment. But what are some of the properties? A couple ones that I'm playing with are one, you have to have things in there. Like mm -hmm. if it's like, so it sounds so basic, but you need to populate it. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. Is, have you found that? Um, yeah, a lot of people, they, they don't want to populate it because they're trying to like think, think it through or something. They're trying yes. to like only put the perfect note yeah. uh, in there. Yeah. yeah. And you can't, it, you can't have a map of content if you don't have any content. Mm -hmm. So like you gotta, you gotta populate it and not with clipped articles. Right. Uh, and so mm -hmm. then, then we talk to so yeah. another property or, or condition or something has to be, you know, own words or, you mm -hmm. know, a, a way that it actually is, is more than just being able to hit click. Cause mm -hmm. that's nothing. Um, yep. It's one crumb above nothing. 
mm-hmm. it's still something above nothing, but barely because of mm-hmm. the lack. And so if, if populated is one, I think another one would be um, connected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, so digitally linked, um, you have yeah. your connected number system. Yep. I want to get your yeah, thoughts that's, on that. Oh, no, that's you the go. thing Sorry. is, is, um, so what kind of people do in this kind of, I think I would call these remote links is if I, okay. So if I have a card, you know, right here, right. This entire thing is linked because they're all exactly. linked. Be- yes. before, before I can s- install any new idea, I have to recursively go back. And I teach people before you even write the main card, I want you to actually go back and get the reverberation and figure out where you're going to install it. So where you're going to link it. Um, so this whole thing is one big chain linked structure, which is kind of how human memory works. But there's also a part in human memory where, which Lumen was very uh, proficient and up to speed on of how like human memory worked. And I don't know if this is why he, I don't think this is why he designed it this way, but it's kind of a coincidence in human memory. There's also the concept of remote linking. So if I want to link to this branch in my like, you know, tree of knowledge is like branch, this whole thing is four, two, one, four. Then it's like four, two, one, four slash one slash two. Right. If I want to link to like, you know, one, three, three, one slash two, right. That's kind of a remote link. Um, that, you know, but this whole thing, everything in here is one big linked, you know, it's this whole thing is just linked one after another, after another, some kind of like, you know, go down these, these rabbit holes a little bit, but, um, yeah, I think the, the, that's, that's one, one thing that, um, you know, is, is with, with, uh, linking your thinking is that you kind of have, or, you know, you're encouraged to link together your ideas, which in pre pre obsidian, pre linking your thinking, it was, that was like a, you know, maybe like the, the feature that was requested, you know, at the very bottom tier of Evernote or something. It's someone, some engineer finally added it one day and said, here, we can create like URLs for your notes. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, like you, know, you kind of Jerry rigged what I was talking about. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wanted to see at that point. Also, you touched on, I think, the most important point, which is what I learned from linking your thinking, which is to never copy and paste uh, in your notes. And maybe you don't say it like that, but it was having to forcing yourself to actually write it in your own words. And I love your diagram. You still have it. It's like the enjoyment to, uh, you know, the enjoyment to usability or, or to creating your creating notes in your own words scale, you know, like more, the more times you used other people's notes, the less you actually enjoyed note taking. Mm -hmm. That's, that's something that thankfully is kind of enforced in the, um, in the (laughs) analog world, you know, Uh (laughs) so you don't have to have self-discipline, uh, which is what I like about, uh, to, to kind of, to kind of conform to a lot of the principles that you teach, you know, in analog is like, don't copy and paste where you're like, well, I guess I can't really copy and paste. So I think I'm good on that rule. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. Um, so we, we, I just want to go through two more, but so we, we talked a little bit about populated being a property of, of, of a healthy uh, integrated thinking environment, extended thinking environment slash idea verse, whatever we want to call it right now. Another property that we've been discussing is uh, being connected. I want to stay on connected for just a moment longer to say that, um, all of these, you can put a little, how well populated is it? How well connected is it? Because I, I, I would make the argument is if we're talking on a scale, 
when you clip something and it goes into Evernote, mm-hmm. there's a form of connection happening. It's so it's ex- extremely weak. It's extremely weak, but there's still there's a kernel of some sort of connection happening. You've at least pulled it out um, from the entire noise and you've kind of connected it to an external space. In this case, a computer system. When you open an app, you might be able to find this thing. So you've made the weakest possible connection, but it's still, I think on the spectrum, it's at the very edge of connection. So I, I want to mm-hmm. point that out because then when you write in, let's say Microsoft word and there are, are sentences next to each other, that's a form of, we're talking about space. Um, mm-hmm. so that's a form of, space proximity exactly and connection. that's connections just like your mm-hmm. index cards uh well but then your index cards are much further along in the quality of connection um mm-hmm. in their space but i, I just for my i, I want to make the argument there because then we can look and analyze the health of somebody's system whatever mm-hmm. it looks like and we can say well how well connected is it um, because if you just clipped a lot of stuff you have connections but they're extremely weak mm-hmm. um I don't know. I, just, I, I think that's yeah. a useful diagnostic. It's it's kind of like what we're kind of getting at, too, is kind of like uh, which human memory, by the way, is still and Feynman. Richard Feynman talked about this. It's the last one of the last greatest mysteries uh, in, in science. We don't know how human memory works still. And there's a lot of um, and I read a, and this is, became a big part. I did not expect this to be, become a big part of my book. I ended up reading a, you know, uh, a textbook on uh, like, you know, very deep research driven one on human memory and how it works. And I kind of related the ideas to this system and like, you know, PKM and knowledge development and how the human, how those systems work. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's that aspect. There's like kind of what we're trying to do is we're trying to kind of like um, create what I call and what Lumen kind of called Lumen called it his second memory or his like, I call it, you can call it the extended mind or second mind. We want to kind of create like a, a, a um, the way that our actual human brain kind of works and and it's all about connections in the human human brain and we know that's a key part of it that's a key part of memory too and there's you're right there's weaker connections and then there's the stronger connections and the stronger connections are they're driven primarily by activity like how many times do you actively like how useful is is this you know area right like how often are you actually having to generate a principle called reverberation in the mind and Mm -hmm. firing off those neurons, firing off those connections. Um, Real quick is, and this is something, um, uh, this is an interesting thing is you talked about, which um, is there's two paragraphs, right? Those, that's a connection, right? Um, I contend that like Lumen's system, how it really worked, how like the Zettelkasten really worked is Imagine just one big massive obsidian file or one big massive Word document where each paragraph is a bullet point, right? And you can have nested bullet points that go deeper and deeper and deeper. Each bullet point was essentially a card, like an index card, you know, like one of these cards. And each bullet point, though, what made it different is that you can link to like each. Imagine if each bullet point had its own like ID or address where you can say in like the, I don't know the hundredth bullet point down, you could say, and this relates to, you know, uh, bracket, bracket 33. And that links to that, you know, the big up, you know, bullet point up top. Imagine like, I think how Lumen's system really kind of worked or is more visualized is not to think about like obsidian or even like the archive 
and having all of those those uh, different bubbles, you know, those uh, nodes, I would call mm-hmm. them, right, uh, linked to one another. But it was almost as if it was one one big document with a bunch of nested bullet points where you were forced to, before you can install any note, you had to scroll up and find the find the card that it is, or the idea or the bullet point of snippet of paragraph of text that is it is most similar and closely related to, and then install it right after that. That's kind of like one way of, of uh, thinking about it or visualizing it. And yeah, I wanted to yeah get that. Yeah, hey, you totally. thought about something like that. Well, absolutely. Um, yeah. So let's stay on that for a moment because it, um, that, so Anki wrote like memory is mm-hmm. completely different from what you're describing and what mm-hmm. you're describing. That's why it's so much more valuable is because again, we're getting the reps. We're getting behavior based mm-hmm. repetitions. They come very naturally. I'm not sure if you're aware of this from the, um, editing world. I never had to do this, but before it was all digital editors had, uh, very strong arms because they were cranking physically through film reels. Mm. And that means when they, they're like, Oh yeah, there's something on uh real five, let's <laughs> put that in. And then to get there, they have to crank through yeah. all the footage. Yeah. So they see all the footage subconsciously. So it generates reverberation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I thought I was like, you're going to love that. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, it's in, it's in the, um, number one editing book ever. It's called in a, in the blink of an eye. By mm-hmm. Walter Murch, um, mm-hmm. it's 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 quite a popular one. It's worth yeah. a look at. It's actually in the appendix yeah. section where he's talking about. I want to call it, say that they're chem chem machines. K E M. Uh, I could be off on that. Um, and he was just kind of bemoaning. Actually, he he plays it pretty objective, but you could sense that there was a a, a an enjoyment of that that the digital tool cannot provide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's, thanks for sharing that. That's, and I think that's kind of also how Quentin Tarantino, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, he talks about that. He, he was a, oh. a clerk at a oh. um, movie rental uh, store and his job was literally to rewind videos all day. That's all he did. And so he would watch videos backwards, <laughs> yeah. which helped him kind of create Pulp Fiction is because yeah. he kind of like those, that's kind of like an asynchronously timed film but i think that probably helped yeah i I think what you're talking about is um that rote memorization is called maintenance rehearsal in uh science of human memory it's just like maintain rehearsing something to to maintain it and it's not you can kind of force yourself to do it there's like the obsidian plugin like random note or something or like that where it, it opens a random note you know um I've tried doing that and like reviewing flashcards randomly and I find myself like not to stick to it. Um, you know, after a while it takes self-discipline, right? Which is mm-hmm. not something that you want to uh, have your strategy rely on long-term. Um, what what I find though is maintenance rehearsal, it is helpful. Um, it's not, there's, it's, it doesn't offer like, you know, it's, but the strongest type of rehearsal is the elaborative rehearsal where you're forced to elaborate on that idea, which is kind of where, you know, where the, the whole linking you're thinking, where you're cool. talking about, okay, what does this mean? What does this relate to? Um, and you're elaborating on the idea in your own words and applying it and making it useful. That's how you can really stamp things into your mind. Um, that said is, I think some of the uh, research 
recently was like, oh yeah, maintenance rehearsal is you know useless and not 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 effective. And actually, it is. You know, it, it, they later found out that it is effective. Um, it's just not as effective as elaborative rehearsal. The the benefits is I think you want a system that you know maybe focuses eighty percent on elaborative rehearsal and maybe twenty percent of the time does maintenance rehearsal. But it makes does maintenance rehearsal in a fun way where it doesn't make it a pain in the ass to do. You don't want to have to have, rely on self-discipline. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways I think maintenance rehearsal is enjoyable, is, this is what I found, is before I can install any new idea, you know, I have to go back and think of and find where in that box, you know, am I going to install this idea? So I'm essentially doing maintenance rehearsal in a fun way because I'm triggering uh, association, which is actually something that is enjoyable for the human mind for us to try to think and associate, um, mm -hmm. you know, where something is supposed to go. And so you're kind of like as a secondary benefit, triggering maintenance rehearsal, which is kind of helping refresh and yeah. uh, re refresh human memory. And I think that's kind of like where, you know, you talk about like exploring your, your old notes and going through, that's where I think the, the node graph view really can be helpful because that's kind of a fun way to do maintenance rehearsal and explore and be like, wait, yeah, why is, is why why are these two notes connected? You know, and then you're kind of yeah. doing re maintenance rehearsal. Yeah, and I feel like if maintenance rehearsal uh, is grouping both the rote memory that we would think of as Anki flashcards or something, yep. and what you're describing, I feel like it's 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 cutting it's cutting short what you're describing in your method with, with analog, because that's so valuable. Like that is crazy valuable, um, to go through, uh, getting those repetitions in that way with the context, the associations that is like improving memory. I, you know, there'll be research and everything. And I know you've looked at the research, but I just to lump it in the same category as the Anki flashcards just doesn't feel like it's doing it justice. Um, I will say the digital equivalent is so with those notes maps, the home note. The idea is you click on the home note if you want to go top down, and then from that you go into a map. From that map, you're like, I, I don't know if something about habits. Well, I can go into my habits map of content. It's my go-to example. But then I can mm -hmm. quickly get to something that's called like begets like, and it's this idea that things that are like themselves want to be more like themselves. Maybe it goes back to biology and cloning. Now we're off to mm -hmm. the races, right? But mm -hmm. all that was from habits map of content and that got me where i needed to go so i'm kind of following these trails that get me the reps mm -hmm. um, and it it's less tangible and physical than what you're describing but in the same way um it's still a very powerful way to get these fun joyful uh, mental repetitions to kind of remember where things are make those um in in the brain i imagine uh, you know this is neuroscientists would be like, that's not how it works, but the, the stronger connections between networks of neurons to, to remember and recall these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, th that's a good point and reminder of uh, how kind of like maps of content and your home notes is kind of like the, the, the process that I go through is whenever I want to install a new, new um, card or idea, I have, to, you know, I go through and think about, the term and hopefully I have it written down in my index. If I don't, then, then it signals me that it's important enough to like write down in my index and going through that and kind of like finding where I'm going to install this piece of knowledge is I think analogous to you, you know, uh, 
I'm sure maybe when you're writing a note is like, okay, I, I'm going to probably install this within, you know, here's where I think it's going to fit in within my, the home note structure and within the maps, within the various maps of content. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maps of uh, maps structures. Right. Um, yeah. L l just looking at your cards over there. I, it's almost like each drawer, it's almost fair to say that each drawer is a kind of a map of content. And then the whole thing is the home in a way like that's almost a, a fit more so accurate yeah analogy. Here, here here's how i was and i think this is important to explain uh in case and i think people you know well of the anti-netter community will take the linking your thinking course and you know if they do i think this is a good way to how you know to uh, that i'd like to share so that uh you know here's how i would like think of it as i'm going through linking your thinking okay so the home i would call the home folder or the home, um, the home file, I would call it, this is the index, right? Oh, this is, okay. I actually called this the map at one point, because I was inspired by linking your thinking. It's like, this is your map to your own tree of knowledge. Okay. The other boxes on there have have numbers on them. And there's I have five branches in my tree of knowledge, there's 1000, 2000, 3000, 4000, 5000. And I've mapped them, which is kind of Everyone can organize their their knowledge around the you know classification scheme that they they want, right? I've organized mine kind of around the academic disciplinary fields um, that essentially that Wikipedia has used because there's so many people contributing to that kind of taxonomy. And this is essentially your home, you know, uh, home file, home folder, your index. This is what Lumen had as well. Um, that will point you to various, essentially, you can think of them various maps of content. Okay, so um, I'll just show you this. I don't know if you can like see, but um, um, okay, like you know, here's just a few of my. This is from my A section in my index. Um, this is one on approval. So there is, uh, you'll see like. I haven't touched this in a long time, but like social approval and political system, 1621 slash 51Q. Okay, that's an old card because I don't go that that deep on the ABC to Q uh, as much anymore. Okay, um, but you'll see that that's kind of like the home file that'll point you to, okay, I'm gonna I'll think of like approval or social approval and that concept in psychology or something. Mm. And, or I can look up Zettelkasten and that'll point me to, the branch 4214. 4214 has since become my whole anti-net Zettelkasten, my the history of noteboxes and knowledge development, right? So that is Z for Zettelkasten points me to 4214, which essentially has emerged and internally expanded into becoming this big beast. Mm -hmm. Well, at the front of this big beast, like early on when I was developing it, I would create my own kind of, this is like my own um, maps of content for each specific aspect subsection within Zettelkasten mm -hmm. that would emerge organically over time. So these are kind of like, for instance, um, biggest ops, obstacles slash, slash challenges in building, you know, a, 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 a second mind or an anti-net was like 3DA slash BE1, right? And then, mm -hmm. you know, biggest potential or opportunities, um, handwriting and memory and the benefits, um, example of Lumen's cards, 
the rough mm. structure of this system. So you know how you teach fluid structure versus rivet, rigid structure. Um, the scholar Johannes Schmidt, when he analyzed how lumens notebooks worked, he called it a rough structure, kind of like a tree. Think of a tree. It's kind of anti-fragile. You know, it's not like a building. A building I would call like a big, you know, concrete building I would call a rigid structure. Mm -hmm. A, you know, fluid structure I would call like maybe like water or something, right? Yeah. It's like fluid and, you know, can kind of adapt. and Or like li lilies in a pond essentially is a fluid structure where each individual note is a lily in the pond. It's very fluid how everything connects. And this whole system is a rough structure, okay? Anyway, where I'm going with this, this is kind of like, you know, my maps of content to this, this area, this branch of my knowledge. And then later on, I organized my book by then looking at that whole emergent way of thinking and said, okay, here's my chapter on Lumen. And then here's like the subcomponents. And that's like kind of my maps of content related okay. to that. Yeah. So um, you can see just, you know, the concepts and the links. So for people that, you know, are the analog folks that want to take linking your thinking and you know it's like yeah you essentially you know you create your maps of content on individual note cards and just create links create links to the numeric alpha you know card addresses and you can kind of you can ascribe to you know the, the teachings that uh, that you 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 very clearly you know introduce and have introduced to the world well, yeah, thanks. I mean, this is just, I mean, look at us. We were, we thought we were going only 60 minutes and we've over yeah. doubled that <laughs> and just, just because we've been enjoying it. So I, uh, thanks for getting me on here, Scott. It's just been amazing. And, um, I hope we can do another one down the road because there are a couple other ideas, but, uh, we'll, we'll get to those in yeah, time. I'm for, sure. Yeah. For sake of time, let's, I think, uh, we'll, 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 we'll end now. And, um, yeah, I've enjoyed this. I thought we were going to, you know, go maybe a little bit over an hour, but then we kind of like, you know, we started talking about, yeah, the, this whole space <laughs> and it's been just time has, time has flown. I love it. Um, so yeah, when is, when's the last day? When is, uh, the enrollment, you know, uh, and so, when is the last day that for this next cohort, cohort yeah. nine? Well, this one's a, today's a Sunday depends, you know, when, when this goes live, but the last day is Wednesday. So essentially from, from okay. right now, this recording there, there are three days to sign up. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, we'll get this live and shipped out today so that people can, oh, wow. you know, dive deep and, and, uh, and start exploring this. Hopefully they, uh, they explore it and, uh, you know, they review it by, by Wednesday and, uh, I'll tweet this out as well to get it out to, to my people to, to check this out. I think people are going to absolutely love this. So thank you for your time, Nick. I know it's crunch time for you and, you know, um, I wish you all the luck in this upcoming cohort and, you know, anything I can do to, to help, like I said, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we, we anti-netters and the analog folk will be like the, uh, the Irish in, in Braveheart, you know, uh, so we'll, we'll be there to, to have your flank, my friend. And, um, and yeah, yeah. So, Thank you so much for this. And uh, yeah, anything else to add, feel free to feel free to add it. Now, just a real pleasure, Scott. So thanks for putting this together. I mean, I've really enjoyed it. So if anyone's listening uh, through all this, then obviously you must have enjoyed this too. And happy <laughs> that we're able to have something that's hopefully helpful for, for the personal knowledge management space moving forward. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Nick. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. All right. See ya.
Hey, real quick. This podcast was made possible by my sponsor, which is me. Yes, frickin' me, Sir Scott of Shepherd. You see, I am committed to never shilling some dildo-freaking-hipster-crappy product like all the other podcasters do, all right? So my only ask is that you spend 10 seconds right now, pull to the side of the road, even if you're on the frickin' freeway, and rate and review this podcast. Then share it with a friend. That's my only ask. You see, this will help spread my movement. I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days doing what they love, writing, creating, thinking, and taking notes using analog tools, while also making multiple six figures if they even choose to. And more importantly, I want to help my people build a tribe, a tribe of people that they were meant to serve. And so by rating and reviewing this podcast right now, you will directly help me and many others in achieving this mission. Peace.